And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Don't adjust your monitors. Don't adjust your sound. That was the old intro. Remember that? Take a walk back in time to 2013, 2014. Remember? It's kind of like playing vinyl, right? Well, we've got a throwback week coming at you. HagmanReport.com. The Hagman and Hagman Report, or Hagman Report, coming at you live. That's, uh, but we, we've actually got a throwback week this week. We're going to our old school format this week this week only audio only why because we can uh, but but seriously we've got a great show lined up for you today um in fact we are we are going to have a throwback week this week we're going back to some of the old uh old style things that we do that's not going to affect of course the video it's not going to affect the um the audio. In fact, uh, we're going to keep our, our audio, with the exception of the old vinyl, almost vinyl sounding or A-track sounding intros and such. But uh, beyond that, everything's going to be the same. You can catch us on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR. We urge you to follow us on BTR, the Hagman Report, and all as well. Follow uh, Doug Hagman Radio Show and the Hagman Daily Show on Blog Talk Radio, where we broadcast. I broadcast 9 to 10 every morning. Joe and John, 2 to 3, on BTR and Global Star. And of course, our flagship show, all three platforms, Global Star, BTR, and YouTube. Until we can't anymore. How's that sound? So tonight we've got a great show lined up for you. First hour, we're going to get into some important topics, news information, analysis, stuff you need to know. Hour two, Steve Quayle. Hour three, Peter Barry Schauke. Now, uh, we've got a lot of things going on. Now, I, I did my show this morning. Joe, you and I have not spoken. I uh, did my show this morning on uh, the bigger issue, uh, the deep state, the, the bigger issue, the deep state, and the um, what's coming, what's coming, the deep state war, the war against the deep state and the war against us. And I've got some information that's going to just uh, make your socks roll up and down, i got to tell you. Um, but I'm going to save a lot of that for my show tomorrow morning because it's a, a monologue it's an instructional monologue. It's not a conversation. So I'm going to save the majority of the stuff for tomorrow morning uh, for the Doug Hagman radio show. But tonight, you and I have got a lot, to, a lot of stuff to get into. Let's let's go. Let's start. As you see, uh, Mark Zuckerberg lost over $6 billion today in uh, what is, since Saturday, there's been reports of this uh, breach of data by Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. And the extent of that is not known, except they apparently... Misused 50 million Facebook accounts and data, but as we all know, well, they're, they're trying to tie that to Trump, are they not? Donald well, Trump, uh, President Donald Trump. I don't Trump. think they can, uh, and no, not really. I, I've seen a few people mention it, but what's interesting here is um, this is what Facebook. Hey, does. I look younger there. The, in that picture, by the way. Go ahead, because it was it was years ago. All right, go ahead. This is what the social media giant does. It, it not doesn't make the money from advertising or from people's news feeds. It makes money by selling all your information that you input to it and even what you don't input to it. As we know, there have been many issues of, of Facebook and Google spying 
on their customers. We talked about it last week. You know, you mentioned something and an hour later an ad shows up on your computers. Well, uh, this, this data breach, um, and there's more that has come out on this, this company Cambridge Analytica from ex-Obama director saying Facebook dropped the ball. Uh, they were on our side and uh, even now their, um, their bosses film talking about bribes and, uh, entrapping politicians with, with sex workers and whatnot. So they got a, a big scandal. But Facebook is pretty much accused of turning, knowing what happened with the data breach and turning the other cheek. And they're being looked at for how they abuse and misuse customer data. And this could open them up to a huge uh, reg- government regulatory push in the near future. But the immediate fallout was the drop of the Dow and Facebook lost, uh, did the worst out of any company on the S&P 500 today, as it lost over almost 7% of its right. business, right. over $35 billion. Well, it, 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 again, th- that to me is a self-inflicted wound, uh, in my view. Uh, look, you, you know, and, and everyone knows, whether it's Facebook, whatever the media, social media platform is, it is a data harvesting tool for the CIA, for the NSA, for the deep state. It does harvest your data. If you've got, uh, if you're foolish enough to have Alexa in your house or Alexa controlled, uh, devices in your house, we already know what that does, right? So, yeah. I mean, look, and we've seen the, this is self-inflicted and expose on Twitter and how they abuse and misuse customer information and the, the inside uh, that they have, the saving the you know naked pictures in a certain file, and yeah. uh, you know sharing information, sensitive information that you might have on your account. But either way, we you know we were talking about this all day. We pretty much pay for ourselves to be spied on, but whether it's your, your phone, right your computer, on. your TV, right. on and on and on. That's right. And then with this new 5G network, you can take this conversation all the way to the agenda 2030 and on. But for just today. Um, you know, just continue to watch the, the, what, what you see government officials saying about Facebook is many are asking, did they violate, uh, uh, federal trade commission laws? Did they, um, you know, there's a so lot more here. Again, through the harvesting of, in the, uh, uh, release of data. Yeah. Yes. And there's a lot more here. And you're going to see investigations. They're already calling for congressional investigations. And, uh, you have other in- investigations that are going to be launched because of this, because of this Cambridge Analytica company, but also, it's just as much Facebook's fault. Right. So that's, that's right. uh, you know, been dominating the, uh, uh, Dredge Report at least today. And also there's been a, a fourth bombing in Austin. Now, I don't know if you want to get into this or go somewhere else first. Yeah, you know. But it's, let's talk about it, these bombings. I just, um, they're local. They're in Austin. Right. It's obviously not uh, apparently race related as many or some have said. As the victims, you have a few African American well, victims. Spank my behind and call me Sally. It's not race related. Well, and it seems to be more of a, what we were talking about, there's no motive known. Cops are asking that the bomber reach out and turn himself in. Or at least contact authorities. Yeah, that, that'll work. But with no ideology known and no known motivation, um, it, there's really don't, there's not much we know. Uh, we know that this man is personally delivering bombs across the city of Austin. And the city is on edge, according to reports. Officers have conducted hundreds of interviews, went over 435 leads, and have not come up with anything meaningful. I would say. So, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. Reminiscent of, of the Unabomber. Remember that the the Unabomber. But but this is more of a. a I I, I sus- Well, you know what? I don't know what this is. 
except these are it is what it is bombings yeah and and the level of sophistication does appear to be raising a little bit now but, I, this yeah. latest one he used the tripwire but right. or, or they the bomber but they also uh put put this in like the equivalent of uh, it's a it's a nature preserve apparently this latest bombing okay so i don't know if he is or the bomber is looking for uh you know softer targets to hit other than since people are so alert and now uh, for looking for packages on their porch that are not something that they were expecting. So w- will he uh, change? Will he accelerate? I don't know. It's a, you, you don't know because you don't know what the motive is. You don't know who you're dealing with, but definitely you know, something to keep an eye on. There's been what, four bombings in, in 16 days. <laughs> we've, we've never received a bomb here or anything like that, but we've, we've received packages with, uh, really strange things. Okay, I mean, we we've received the uh, the the uh, DNA stuff. We've received uh, stuff with wires. You know, just wires, nothing else. Um, but I, I can't imagine. Now, if you're in Austin or even anywhere in Texas, for crying out loud, you you'd have to be on a super heightened awareness, right? You wouldn't you wouldn't be go you wouldn't be go yeah. pick up packages, but. Yeah, no, um, and this is one thing that we're going to see. So will the, will the, the tactics of the bomber change, uh, to, to, uh, I don't know, get more victims or will we see, uh, you know, this guy, this person fizzle out? I, I don't know. It, it's yeah. interesting and you don't know what you're dealing with. He could be dealing with some amateur. I don't know what an expert is unless he's an expert in explosives, but until you know the motivation, you don't really understand why this is happening. And I know that the police said that there could be, a connection between two of the victims, but then that there was never anything followed up on that. I, I could not find any other reports. So either they feel that they need to hold that information back, or and there's that, always information being held back, of course, and we respect that. So, so yeah, but good. luckily nobody was killed in the bombing today. There was two injuries, and um, the authorities are again on the hunt. So, all right. <clears throat> with that said, <clears throat> let's. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. Really, we, yeah, we, we can't we can't go in too much further into the bombing aspect of things. Let law enforcement do their job, and, and they're uh, I'm sure they're doing it very well. So let's let them do that. Yeah, let's talk about McCabe here. Um, I want to open this up because tomorrow I'm going to be talking about this a little bit further. I just want to kind of just let let everyone know this when you look at what's taking place, and uh, I just want to say, Joe, look, those people who listen to my show in the morning. Um, and even we spoke about this. We basically we told you this was basically going to happen. I mean, uh, go back to our programs and, and my program. Um, go back to uh, January when McCabe stepped aside, and go back to. Um, uh, we'll just go back in time. Actually, it was when was this? Uh, I think it was January twenty ninth when uh, McCabe. Uh, well, actually, FBI director. Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was removed from the bureau back in um, January. He was put on ter- he's, he was put on terminal leave. So, but here's what I want to say, and, and I'm going to be talking more about this tomorrow. I just want to preface everything by saying this: what we're what we're witnessing right now, and I think people have to really understand this, is something that not too many people can really wrap their head around. There is an attempted coup against. President Donald Trump and against our nation. I, I think people can understand that. Um, 
evidence already indicates or certainly has indicated and continues to indicate that there's a subversive effort that was mounted from inside the United States government by the deep state under Barack Hussein Obama and from outside of the U.S. government by groups, by NGOs, by entities, including the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, and their law firms, the law firm uh, Perkins Coie. Now, plotters include the the Obama White House intelligence community and the Justice Department officials, many who continue right now to serve inside the FBI and DOJ. Now, here's my question to everyone, and Joe, I'm going to toss this question to you, and I'm going to be addressing this during my show tomorrow. Notice how heavily I'm promoting, promoting my show. But let, let me ask you a question. Do you think, and do you out there think, that everything that we're seeing is being done merely, and has been done merely, to promote Hillary Clinton for president? In, in other words, have people put their their careers, their lives on the line um, that, Absolutely. That, that all of this was, wait a minute, now, let me finish this question. Was this all and only about securing the presidency for Hillary Clinton? That so many career officials would actually risk everything for her and engage in what many may one day acknowledge are potentially capital crimes of treason? Now, now consider that, and Diana West points this out in a series of articles, in fact, um, Eric, if you want to toss up on YouTube the uh, website of Diana West, the first link, you can see this, and, and I would urge everyone to read her threads. Um, this is, the, the, the question is this, and Diana West, there it is on, on YouTube. I, look, I don't have, I, I don't, I don't have stock in her, but I, her books or anything like that. I just think she's a tremendous researcher and a tremendous author. But but she in her article on Diana West, in her in her uh, website, her series of articles, she asks, or she states that it's next to impossible to believe that everything that we've seen to date was all and only about securing the presidency for Hillary Clinton. That so many career officials would risk all for for her, and engage in. Again, what many may one day acknowledge are potentially capital offenses. Treason. Well, that's what um, the former assistant FBI director, James Kallstrom, has said. And there's a post up on Zero Hedge from yesterday. Ex-FBI assistant director, there was a high-ranking plot to protect Hillary. Brennan leaked weekly. And he said this. uh, It wasn't just the FBI. I think we have ample facts revealed to us during the last year and a half that high-ranking people throughout the government, not just the FBI, high-ranking people had a plot to not have Hillary Clinton indicted. And he goes on from there. True. He said it involves a whole strategy, and it goes right to the top. Look, okay. They were going to win. I, I agree with that. I, I, I agree. And they'd bleach out just like she bleach-bitted her system. They'd bleach out the record. No one would know. But just sit back and ponder this. Sit in your easy chair. Sit in your car. Sit... 
in the woods somewhere and just ponder the enormity of this. Think about Andrew McCabe right now. We're going to be talking about him. Do you believe that Andrew McCabe would throw it all away? Mm-hmm. How about Struck? Throw it all away. Page, throw it all away. Because of their mm-hmm. hatred? Their hatred and their, their love for Hillary Clinton? I think there's what something she believed more. In and, I think and there's the something more for Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay. Now we realize, of course. I, I look. I, I agree. It's that. But I also believe that there is a 16-year plan, and there's a graphic that has. You can search this graphic. As a matter of fact, I will put it up. It's, it's the first graphic, uh, Eric. I believe it is. It's a 16-year plan. And if you take a good hard look at this 16-year plan to destroy America, subtitled, they never thought she would lose. Look at what Barack Hussein Obama had done on the left side of your screen. On the right-hand side, look what Hillary Clinton would have done. But the question I have and the concern I have is this about politics and only about politics, or is this about something else? And I'll tell you, I believe this is about something else. When you look at F- FBI Director, Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, what what he went through, Struck and Page and all those people, and you look at Obama and Clinton, and, he, and here's the bottom line on this. I'll be talking about this in the morning. When you when you start looking at p- uh, people like. Bruce and Nellie Orr. You know, little things bother me. I don't, I, I, I just, I get them in my, I get them in my head and they just bother me. Nellie Orr, the wife of Bruce Orr, Department of Justice. Years, years studying about Russia. Lauding, praising, essentially, or at least being an apologist for Stalin. She's married to Bruce Orr, the number four in the, uh, main justice and, and you start looking at the principles involved in this collusion story oh there was collusion indeed it was communist Marxist collusion but it was all on the democratic side so my question again was this all about Hillary Clinton or was this about the destruction of America through Marxism I believe it's the latter it's not mutually exclusive I think it's both your thoughts well, they're obviously, I, I, I don't know. See, this is what I think. I think they, they thought, as, uh, Kallstrom and others have said, that this was in the bag for Hillary Clinton. All the polls are thrown out there that President Trump had, you know, no, no chance to win, no path to victory. We don't know the extent of, you know, the bribery and the money that was given to officials to look the other way, uh, on, on some of these issues, uh, when pertaining to the election. And was the election really rigged for Hillary Clinton? Now, or did she just believe she's going to win? I guess that's a separate issue. But I think they, it was either rigged or they believed so much that she was going to win that yes, they, they did this. Not only out of a sense of a moral necessity to oppose Donald Trump, but also because they never looked at this as a risk to their careers. They thought, I mean, they thought this was in the bag. And, and if it wasn't in the bag for Clinton, that somebody would, would make it right for her. All right, and, and whether it's a, I, a much I, I understand plan, that. I mean, we know the Soviets and the the communist mindset of <clears throat> infiltration and subversion over long periods of time. So obviously there's a long term plan. 
Yes. But yes. did they have to reformulate that after the Clinton loss? Maybe. They, Maybe yeah, not. And my argument is they did. And that's what we're seeing right now. Because once they could not install Hillary Clinton, they had to go on the offensive to remove Donald Trump. And it's not removing Donald Trump because they don't like Donald Trump. Yes, that's part of it. It's not the sole reason. It's removing Donald Trump to destabilize the United States of America. I was, I was talking to Steve Quayle for quite a while today, and we were talking about this very issue and about how how all of this fits together, including his topic of transhumanism. Uh, and you can, like, okay, you can go way, way into the weeds there. And really, it's not that far in the weeds, but you can go out in the, that direction. But pulling us back into what we're seeing today, I think, we've got to take a look at what's going on. And if you, if you consider that, um, Glenn Simpson in his house, uh, let me grab my note here, uh, cause I, I, I've got so many, my desk looks like, uh, like I'm studying for the, you know, college boards or whatever. Um, Glenn Simpson did his level best to make sure that he did not, uh, during his testimony in the House and Senate, did not mention that, uh, that, uh, Nellie Orr was, who, who, who studied in Moscow and was, was, was a Russian and Stalin apologist, did his level best not to, not to mention her at all. So, so I, I guess what I'm saying here is, look at the Russian aspect of this, the communist, the Marxist aspect of this as well as the political Hillary political democratic side and, and, and look at the I, I would say this we need another House on American Activities Commission committee albeit a, a better one and a better formatted one for today that's that's my thought because there are a lot of people that need to be tried in my view for treason and it's not Alex Jones it's not Roger Stone and, and it's not me Although that's what's being bandied about out there. Well, one of the questions is uh, with McCabe. Do you think McCabe will be charged criminally eventually? Absolutely. Okay. And then there was another piece uh, referring to Mueller all weekend on Drudge Report about uh, it was a poll. Do you think, do you support or would you support President Trump and his firings of Robert Mueller? And over 700,000 people responded as of this morning. And it was, you know, 75% yes to 22% no. Which is interesting, and we see it's just a political poll on Drudge, so you can't put much stock into it. Well, Robert Mueller is a bull on the backside of humanity, uh, <laughs> or the backside of our republic. Well, we see a few pieces up on did, Drudge today. Did I say boil? What did I say? Bull. Boil. Mueller, I, he's a boil. I, I'm sorry about that. He is a boil on the backside of humanity. Mueller has been botching investigations <clears throat> since the anthrax attacks. Screw-ups cost taxpayers millions. Those two are up on, on Drudge Report, and there are... On the Liberty Daily, there are many others too, but sure. there was a uh, rumors put out that because of the McCabe firing uh, at the last eleventh hour on on Friday evening, that also there was a firing coming down the the pike for Mister Mueller. Now uh, there are wide spectrums of opinion about what he is. I doing believe some of these are blanking stories, though, Joe. Oh, they are. They're, that's exactly what they are to try to, to to play off the firing of McCabe to drum up you know more of this uh, emotional support from their base about, you know, dictator Trump. And what I find interesting about the McCabe situation is President Trump, obviously it was his personal preference to have McCabe fired, but this came down as a recommendation 
from another government entity and was executed by the right. DOJ, the Office of Public Relations. Uh, no, Office oh. of Professional Responsibility. Professional Responsibility. Right, okay. right. It's OPR. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, the words right. Letters right. Letters right. But, but no, th- this was not a political firing. This was done, actually, when you look at it, it was done by Obama-placed officials. This was a, a, a purely an, uh, an apolitical move that needed to be done. Now, let's talk about McCabe. Uh, because people don't realize that that he received, or his wife, I should say, received 1.25 million, allegedly, okay, allegedly received 1.25 million from Clinton insiders during the FBI Hillary investigation, FBI's uh, investigation of Hillary Clinton. Now, remember the 700,000 that, that people talk about from McAuliffe. That number... If you go back to, um, if you go back to documentation, that number is not 700,000, but 1.25 million. And, and just to give you a little background of McCabe, let's just take, take you down memory lane, just very briefly. It was on March 2nd of 2015 that the New York Times reported that Clinton could have violated federal regulations by using a private email server. Okay, you remember that? And of course, that increased the likelihood of an FBI investigation. That was March 2nd of 2015. Two days later, a congressional subpoena for all Benghazi-related emails. You remember that? I'm giving you this backdrop because it's important. Then um, Virginia Governor McAuliffe, who was Clinton's 2008 campaign chair, admitted to having a meeting with Jill McCabe, Andy's spouse, um, who, by the way, had no previous political experience or influence, and that was on March 7th of 2017, to urge her to run for the Virginia State Senate. It was on June 6th, uh, 26th, 2015, when Hillary headlined a fundraising event for McAuliffe's Political Action Committee in the Democratic Party of Virginia. These dates are, are extremely critical to understand. Now that by the end of July of 2015, McCabe's husband, Andrew McCabe, is promoted to the number three FBI position. And we can go on from there, but, but the timeline the is extremely on, Right, you see the stuff on Rosenstein's wife? Oh, yeah. Which uh, hasn't oh, really made much headlines, but we'll talk about that when we come back on the other side. We are up against the break. on. Uh, go to Hagman Report, bookmark that site. This week is throwback week. It's audio only all week. We got stuff going on behind the scenes here, so we're doing it this way, so... Make sure when you tune in, don't expect the video this week, audio only. We'll be right back. It's throwback week for the Hagman Report. You know, right before the... uh, uh, well, you're not going to see us on video this week. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, you support us. We are making changes. We're also doing some things Joe mentioned behind the scenes. Uh, now, I know that sounds rather cryptic, and it should be. Number one, uh, we want to give you the best possible product, radio, and uh, that's audio and video product. But there's something else going on. 
And I'm not going to get into it except to say that because you support us, because we can foresee the changes that are coming, because of the the continued persecution and eventual prosecution of those on YouTube, we are making some changes. That requires us to be um, audio only. Now, I know some people don't like that. They say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to listen. Well, okay. If you Do you want us to be around in the long term? You've supported us, so we're not taking that your support in vain. We're not squandering that support. We are investing that support. But there are, there are other things going on as well that we're involved in. In fact, just uh, if you want a kind of a hint at what the latter relates to, just uh, just tune into Alex Jones yesterday during his interview with Lee Stranahan. But anyway, that's what's going on this week. We appreciate your patience. And uh, follow us on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR. Great people there. And you can listen on Global Star. And you can also tune in on YouTube and comment uh, appropriately there. Also, our two shows, Hagman, the Doug Hagman uh, Radio Show, 9 to 10, and Joe and John from 2 to 3. Uh, two other listening platforms as well. Five hours of Hagman Report Radio for your listening and uh, viewing pleasure. I, I want to say this. Um you know, when we were, when Joe and I were actually traveling from city to city and meeting clients and such, one thing that we lacked was a place to meet clients without, you know, getting, without having to meet them at a donut shop or a coffee shop. I mean, you talk about, uh, wow, that was just rough when you had a, when you had to meet a client at, at a coffee shop to talk business or, or a, uh, uh, truck stop even. Well, we've got a solution for those people out there who need a meeting spot. Three words, search, book, and meet. I'm talking about DaVinci. With the DaVinci platform, finding the perfect meeting room for your face-to-face business meeting is as easy as that. Search, book, and meet. Now, whether you need, look, you just might need a day office, for example, or a conference room, or a boardroom, or even a training space, DaVinci has the right room you need when you need it. Look, let's say that you're in Phoenix, for example, but you need to meet customers face-to-face in New York or Los Angeles or even Omaha. Well, you can skip the coffee shop meeting and get a DaVinci meeting room instead. It's fast, it's affordable, and it's easy as just that. Search, book, and meet. From day offices to conference rooms, boardrooms to training spaces, the DaVinci platform provides you instant access to over 5,000 affordable meeting rooms in well-known office locations in every city. Just, as I said, search, book, and meet. Your DaVinci meeting room comes with high-speed Internet and all of the presentation tools to make your next meeting a great success. And you know what the best part of it all is? It all starts with at only $10 an hour. That's just 10 bucks. You can't beat that. Just remember these three words. Search, book, and meet. But we've got a deal for you. A, a tremendous deal. Now listen to this. Go to davincimeet.com slash Hagman. Or you can just go to Hagman Report and click on the link. But it's davincimeet.com slash Hagman. And for a limited time, get 50% off your first purchase. That's davincimeat.com slash Hagman. Terms and conditions apply. See 
davincimeat.com slash Hagman for details. You can't beat that, Joe. You and I were talking about this earlier. Man, that would have saved us a lot of hassle and headache. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so there Just you go. The, I mean, the convenience alone is, is, is worth the price of admission. But anyway, um, back here for news in this segment. We got a lot to get into before we, uh, are joined by Steve Quill, who's going to be talking about transhumanism in the next hour. Then Peter Barry Chalka will be joining us in hour three, as he does each and every Monday. For uh, more on what Peter has put up over this weekend, go to HagmanReport.com under exclusive reports or in uh, Peter Chalka's corner on the website. Open war breaks out at Fox News, the inside story. And we'll wait till uh, Peter comes on so we can hear what he has to say about that. So, again, uh, the real topics of today... Uh, the, the stock market saw a rough day. We're, we've been talking about McCabe and, and Robert Mueller. One thing we haven't touched on is what's going on in Syria. Are there escalations between the United States, Syria, and Russia happening right now that could lead to war? Okay, so from <clears throat> what I've been able to gather today, there has been a number of thing, things taking place. One, apparently Assad prepping for a major U.S. military attack. Damascus has taken a series of measures to prepare for an anticipated U.S. military strike. And the measures were decided on Saturday during a meeting with the National Security Council, chaired by uh, President Assad, which included military and security leaders. This is being reported by, um, I don't know, a number of websites. And this is also on Twitter. I don't know what that website is, so I don't want to put that out there. Good save there, right? (laughs) But also, okay, so that was just the beginning of it. You have... Uh, Russia issuing an ultimatum. If the U.S. attacks Damascus, it will be the last thing you ever do. That from uh, Lavrov. And he canceled his Asia trip in anticipation of conflict what have in I long Syria. What have I long stated? World War III is not going to begin in anywhere except in Syria. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to pit Russia and, and China against the United States. And there were a number of things happening in Syria today. There were there was a strike where 15 people were killed. Also, there were sirens going off at this Russia airbase. Everybody seems to be on heightened alert about Syria uh, due to what we're seeing in the news. And we're not seeing anything really in the news. You have to go find it if you want to read about these important stories. Um, you know, the, the media seems to be focused on the firing of McCabe and this march for uh, abolishment of the Second Amendment, which is this coming Saturday. But, but okay, mm-hmm. no, uh, you brought you brought three things up here: you, you, Syria, yep. and the firing of McCabe, and then the march. Yeah, I, I, I'm here to tell you that here's what I believe: I believe all three are related. I I, I really do. I think I think everything's intertwined. Obviously, what we're seeing here happen in the United States this this attempted Marxist takeover is related to the foreign um, the the globalist takeover within our within our country to launch war against Assad in Syria. And I believe that the destabilization process is being fueled by the Marxist in government to create events such as the March on Washington against the Second Amendment. And let's be clear about what this is. It's against the Second Amendment. So that's kind of how I think it's all related. But it's up to you to yeah. to, to agree. I mean, I don't care. You, you may not think that. But, but, but you know, somebody had well, said they that. they are. I, look, look somebody, I just want to say this, because I just saw this flash by here. Um, one of the... One of the neat things about having um, uh, video or audio only is sometimes I'm able to look at the chat in YouTube. And it's a, it's interesting. Somebody had posted this. The USSR does not exist anymore. 
Okay, you're 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 correct. Not in the form it did. And this is something that just real quick. Um, again, Diana West, uh, a brilliant researcher and a brilliant author, gets into this. And I'm going to talk with her and, and get her on, on the air or have John do it. But, but the bottom line is this. The major secret enemy or the major secret weapon is to deprive you of an enemy. This was stated by a communist Russian Soviet soldier in a 19 or a general in the 1988 conference of Soviet and American scientists at UC Irvine. Irvine. This was recorded, reported by Jeff Nyquist. And this is a strategy. This is to make us believe that the Soviet or Marxist, I should say the Marxist enemy is no longer. It's um, because they know that it's historical, it's human, you have to have an enemy. So much was built out of this role of uh, of the enemy, your foreign policy, quite a bit of your economy, even your feelings about your country to have a really good empire. You have to have a really evil empire, meaning an enemy. And it's interesting that uh, this is written on by, written uh, Diana West. But but see, I believe that the, we, we as a society, Joe, and I'm going to shut up here and let you take it, but we've been so indoctrinated by the fact that oh the so the the Russians are no longer a threat the the Marxist ideology is no longer a threat we can rest and relax when in fact the opposite is true they become even a yeah. greater threat go ahead sir no I, I agree and there are videos of, uh for people out there I, I can't remember the name of this guy I, I'll post I'll tell you what I'll find the video and I'll post it on the Hagman re- report tomorrow morning with a short excerpt and it shows a former KGB official talking about the different ways and, and and the long lengths of time that they will go to infiltrate a society. And just because maybe the, the, the title USSR isn't there, don't think that there aren't uh you know these groups of people out there that don't that want revenge on the United States and, and is Vladimir Putin one of those people as he was just re elected. I don't know how many people saw this. Angela Merkel and uh Vladimir Putin were both recently in the last few days had elections in their country. And both were re-elected. And there were some claims of, you know, voter fraud in Russia or whatever. But either way, uh, these people, uh, Putin is a former KGB agent. And he is uh, just like a CIA. Once a, once a KGB. Look, and, and people are saying that, you know, and I just saw this again from the same person, the Marxist ideologies in California, not Russia. Where do you think it came from? You think it came from Texas to California? I mean, use your head. And I'm not going to argue with somebody, some anonymous person on chat, but nonetheless, use your head. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, well, I'll post the the video of this guy explaining the whole process of subversion and infiltration. I'm sure many people have seen it, but for those who haven't, it is well worth the watch. But, yeah, we. I mean, why do we need the outside enemies? We seem to be doing a great job of, of destroying ourselves on a daily basis with this whole PC, uh, you know, Social justice warrior movement, but and and much more, just the the left ideology overall. But this is a uh, so let's talk about back to Mueller real quick. How is this going to play out? You said that, uh, and you and I agree that the the talk of firing Robert Mueller is just that talk, and <clears throat> we see more pressure. The president hired a new lawyer today, and the the media is oh the president is uh, obstructing justice by tweeting, and you know they're going on and on with what their usual is. 
Um, and again, there was a Drudge poll over the weekend. Three quarters say Trump should remove special counsel. President keeps up attacks on escalating Russia investigation by hiring a new lawyer. So what does this all mean? I think it's going to mean that, uh, you know, things are going to continue. The pressure is going to continue to mount for Robert Mueller, which might make him, uh, I don't think he'll change the way he's going to do anything because that would indicate to the president that the president's having an effect on him. I, I think Mueller is going to attempt to draw blood this week. How so? How do you, how do you think he'll do that? Well, well, okay. What has he done so far? He certainly hasn't made any connection to right. collusion. He's going to go after the business interests of Donald Trump, uh, prior to, or as a, as a, as a, uh, uh, private citizen as opposed to a, a president. He's going to also hit at the periphery of his, of his, uh, what'd you call it? His staff, if you will. Um, I, I think he's going to attempt to draw blood, maybe not successfully draw it. But he's going to respond in kind. Look, I, look, I don't think Mueller's working, working as a Not white for a hat. Second. You know, and those people who do, show me the evidence. But go ahead. No, I, I agree. I don't believe that President Trump and Robert Mueller are on the same page or working together for indictments that are going to come down against the, the Hillary Clinton campaign. Hey, I, I hope I'm wrong, but with all the everything I've seen, it just doesn't seem likely. But there is this battle. There is this war that is continuing. And I think what the president is doing is smart. You, you keep Robert Mueller there. Of course we want him gone. He has no reason to be there. There's not even an underlying crime, which was the whole purpose of, his, of why a special counsel is impaneled. This is just a political witch hunt. But keep him there, because you see, you've seen James Comey go, you've seen McCabe go. Strout and Page are both sure to go with what the new text messages show them. Yeah, but you, coordinating you with the judge and, and Comey. Comey, McCabe threw Comey under the bus through his public statement. You know that, right? Which is what? Well, he he said that the okay, what he was, what the OPR did in a nutshell, and this is much more than that. But one of the issues was McCabe leaked information. Yeah, McCabe came out through his lawyers and said that that leak was sanctioned or done with the approval or the oversight of this uh, of his boss well who's his boss or who was his boss at the time go back in time it was James Comey so Comey testified under oath uh, before the, the House and Senate committees saying that he did not know and did not cause any leaks or did not facilitate or authorize any leaks so either McCabe is lying or Comey is lying but I think when you go back and look at the the historical timeline, you're going to see that McCabe is, in this case, telling the truth, and Comey is the one that's lying. So, where does this put Comey? It's going to put him in a position where, ah, man, I got, I, I got to tell you, I do see, I do see some indictments coming down, and that may include Comey. It most assuredly, in my view, includes McCabe. Uh, McCabe's got more to worry about than his pension. He's got he's got his freedom to worry about, as do Strzok and Page, and Nellie and Bruce Orr, and the many others. That, uh, in, in fact, there's a there's an image, uh, Eric. The last image in that email that I sent to you, if you want to put that up, you've got Lynch, you've got uh, Comey, you've got uh, Orrs, and, and even the the, the players on the periphery, the. Uh, um, Fusion GPS. Uh, so, so it, it, those watching on YouTube can look at that, and this all goes back to Obama. This all goes back to Obama. Uh, Yates, Sally Yates, has got a problem. 
Carlin, who and I talked about Carlin today, he headed up the National Security Division under the Department of Justice. Well, isn't it interesting that John Carlin, who, by the way, was Bill Priestap's boss, isn't it interesting that Carlin in, in the um, National Security Division of the Department of Justice had no, and is the only department that has no inspector general or um, any type of oversight. That's the only department of the Department of Justice that's got no oversight. That's not by accident. So by looking at that, and that's compliments of uh, uh, conservative treehouse, I believe, that graphic. So at any rate, where's Rosenstein? I don't see him up there. You need to look. That's just one graphic of several. You need another several pages and a whole bunch of. Well, is Rosenstein next on the chopping block, or will it be Peter Strauch or Lisa Page? Those text messages show a uh, a manipulating a friendship from a judge on a surveillance court in order uh, who oversaw the the Flynn probe or guilty verdict, the plea, I'm sorry. Right. And then recused himself immediately after. And uh, there's a whole lot more here. Apparently we've only seen, you know, one-fiftieth of the actual text messages. So there's what, so much right. out there more. Uh, the 3,000. And look how much uh, we've learned from the from ones we saw already. Oh, yeah. yeah what yeah. are we going to learn from? The, and why, are the, why is the Department of Justice not, why have they not released these messages? Okay, and that goes to what I was saying earlier. You've got people who are still members of the deep state, part of the deep state in the Trump, in the Trump, um, the President Donald Trump's, uh, uh, the, the, well, the permanent state. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ascribe it to President Donald Trump. I'm gonna just say members of the permanent state are still within the federal government. And they're the ones giving Judicial Watch a hard time saying no. You know, be, look, even the Department of Justice saying no, we're not gonna release these, or we're not gonna release this to you. They have to sue instead of getting it via FOIA. And even when they sue, they're, they're, they're in contempt, uh, half the time. Uh, so, so bottom line here. Joe, I, I'm telling you right now, this is bigger than than just the the politics of it all. This is the takeover, uh, a huge coup, for lack of a better word, uh, of a nation. Not just uh, not just in order to put Hillary in. It's uh, not. I mean, it's one and the same, but it's more than just that. So that's kind of why. And, and you're right. They're they're not <laughs> they're, they're they're not cooperating. Why? Well, because these are these are members of the permanent state. They're still there. And they're yeah, still they shouldn't still there. plotting. They they shouldn't be there. And this is the the point uh, we've been making all along. You know, where is Jeff Sessions? We see him announcing there are investigations ongoing, that steps are being taken, but at the same time he has is still recused from this. I say next, you get rid of Rosenstein, you get rid of Strauch, you get rid of Page, and you get the Department of Okay, let me ask you this: President Trump. Does he or does he not have the ability to make the Department of Justify, uh, Department of Justice declassify those text messages? Can he just say, do it, or I'm going to do it? Well, the short answer is yes, he can. Okay. okay. Well, he needs but, to get surrounded but, but, by some smarter people then. Well, um, all right. And, and, right. You but, know, but how long did this swamp, how, how long did it take to populate and, and Oh, absolutely. You're not going to get it overnight. Right. But you're also not going to make any progress by not getting rid of the predators in there uh, while you're trying to clean it up. And this is a huge problem with, with the, the Mueller investigation and the constant attacks by the media, and even something like this with Andrew McKay being fired. The, the media turned around for the last 48 hours or however long it's been since it happened, 
almost three, four days now, and has been attacking President Trump, calling him a tyrant, a dictator, that, you know, he's out for blood and this is obstruction. And on, when and Donald on. Trump had nothing right, to do right. with the fire. But you would never, if you polled 10 random viewers of CNN who've only, or, or mainstream media, who've only watched mainstream media for their uh, news on this, they would believe that, personally, President Trump fired Andrew McCabe because of the way the media reports it. Of course. And, and this is why it was said that uh, uh, CNN and, and MSNBC, are they're more dangerous than the, uh, I, I don't remember who actually said this in, in a tweet, but uh, more dangerous than, than you know, a, a missile or a bomb. In, in, in a way, I kind of agree, although that, that's certainly an overstatement, but I agree that, that the uh, brainwashing, the indoctrination of the public by the, by the media, look, look, look what the media is doing to, to, to all of us. They're saying that we are Russian agents. We're colluding. I mean, we, Joe, myself, yeah. Roger Stone, Alex Jones, um, Dave Hodges, Steve Quayle, we are actively colluding with the Russians. Well, I'll and, tell you this, we I've got it, I'm, President I'm being Trump sued for it for sure. a lot, basically. We did collude to get President Trump elected, yeah. but it wasn't with any Russians. Well, I, you know, this uh, is a funny talking so, point. Uh, and it, it's it's interesting when you when you watch. It's like CNN interviewing, yeah. ambushing that old lady on her front yard. You you were for the Russians? <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and and, and you know that that's uh, Mrs. Goldfarb. God bless yeah. that woman. God bless her. You know, she said, "No, I'm a patriot." And it's interesting how being a nationalist, America first. How that equates to being a Nazi or mm-hmm. being or being a, uh, a in collusion with Russia, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make Somehow sense. Somehow patriotism is collusion with a foreign power. Right. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. But you know, it's not about what makes sense. It's about uh, what they believe. This was this was uh, uh, okay. So we talked about the change of of plans after the election. They had to change their plans. They they everybody believed Hillary Clinton was going to win, even the people inside the government. That's why they went to such great lengths to protect her. Uh, from the the charges that the FBI could have dropped on her, should have dropped on her for the email case, and after she lost, that they changed up their playbook uh, to keep this going. Now, right? It, I how much? Um, see, this is what I have a problem with. And when we talk about you know draining the the swamp and all this, how much of the people around or in the White House surrounding President Trump are part of the swamp? Probably mostly all of them. How many people in the FBI, the DOJ? Well, at the very top levels, probably mostly all of them. Most. And, and, and I, the same for all the other government think, agencies. All right. Uh, and to me, this is, this is not a simple issue. No, if, if you, if you went out and you fired everyone, and I believe that, I believe that an entire house cleaning will happen. And I'm not giving Trump any, uh, President Trump any passes here. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But if you would take out all of the active individuals engaged in active measures, um, the, the coup plotters, you keep some at a, at a distance. And if you were to take them all out, how much of a government would, would functioning government would we have left? Um, and by the way, what would the reaction of the American people be? I, I, I do believe that Donald Trump, as president, is thinking about the. the the average person sitting in, in a recliner watching television or working, you know, 12 hours a day coming home. I, I, look, I, I think he's doing the right thing. I think he's, he's methodically doing this. And I, and I often use this. God bless Pastor Langford. 
there's a difference between reacting to something and responding to something. And I mm-hmm. think that, that we're seeing a response, a methodical, incremental response to a very d- deep, dark problem and not a reaction to it. Well, I, I hope you're right because we do see those reactions on, on Twitter and whatnot, which is fine with me because we see how badly everybody else uh, misrepresents everything that is said or, or done in this White House, and they do it to disparage the president. But it has not been working, and, and in fact, he is... Uh, a higher approval rating now than he had, you know, even a few months ago. And we see the, the economic benefits and whatnot. I heard him say today in his speeches in New Hampshire today that he gave on the opioid abuse problem, where I love the idea of including the death penalty for drug traffickers. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. But he gave a speech out there today, and he said, some people have told me that this is the best economy ever that they've ever seen, which I don't buy that for a second. But... Things are going good as far not, as what's being represented the, in the news in this country. Don't you it's not think crazy. he's gaming the media a little bit? Gaming the oh yeah, the he's throwing media. that out there to so they can come back and say, well, yeah. technically this is not the best you know recovery or economic time period ever. This is again another example of the president lying to you. Of course he does that, and he doesn't. This is one thing that we love about President Trump. He doesn't refine his message as to not be called out by the media. I, I wouldn't want to refine them. You know, I I, I want a plain speaking guy up there that, that says. And that's why he exactly speaks best when he's yep. not reading from yep. his teleprompter. And I'm sure many people who pay attention and watch his, him giving speeches have noticed his speeches are, are boring. You can tell there, there's a, a huge difference between a written speech and just, uh, you know, off the side of the hip uh, kind of speech. And, and we like those ones from the side of the hip. But ultimately, with the swamp surrounding this administration, how can you get anything done? I know you can't be, you, you can't yeah. fire everybody at once, but. No, I I, I, mean, I know what you're saying. He's going to spend his whole first term spinning his wheels, and he's accomplished a whole lot in in just a short amount. Oh, of time. he's he's done a ton of things, very positive. I think I, I like what you, I, I agree with what you said. You know, why isn't he doing more quicker? I I have to agree with you on that. But and I don't look. I don't believe they're playing 3D chess. Okay, I just don't believe that. I believe it's just one of those methodical things. You know that that's. It's taking more time than than he thought, and and I'll bet you he's had a heck of an education. Uh, his eye, you know, eyes wide open, like you know, he probably got, he's probably sitting there saying, "Holy, you know what? What did yeah. I get myself yeah. into?" I imagine that would be a daily occurrence for a long time. Excuse me. I know I would. I'd be get me out of here. Uh, before you know, we're going to be bringing Steve Quayle on in just a few minutes, I want to switch gears here. I don't know how many people saw this. A woman drove a car full of accelerants after lighting herself on fire intentionally into the Broward County Sheriff's Building. And this is something I was looking for earlier today. And a woman crashes car filled with accelerants into Broward County Sheriff's Office. An unnamed woman drove a Toyota Camry into the community service room of the Sheriff's Office. Following impact, the car reportedly caught on fire. The female driver was removed from the wreck by an employee and treated for third-degree burns at a regional hospital. Man, I now, would not wish said, burn third degree burns on anybody, but go ahead. That she maybe is insane, but apparently it, it did this in response to the whole shooting and the sheriff's office failed multiple failures, uh, during this Florida shooting and before this Florida shooting. Uh, I, if I had to guess, I'd say the woman's probably crazy. You don't throw a bunch of accelerants Man. on yourself and in your car and, and go smashing into buildings because you don't like someone, but apparently that's what this lady did. Now, my question is, with the way this was whole all handled originally, will we see more backlash against the sheriff's department? And it's very possible. 
it is very possible. I, I would not urge anybody to do that, but it could happen. I mean, you know, a lot yeah. of people really upset. And and to, to watch the manipulation of our young people by the uh, liberal fascists out there to, to yeah, weaponize they, our, our children. March for gun gun yeah. uh, gun ban is this weekend, this Saturday. Don't yeah. call it the March for Life or whatever they're calling it. The March to Ban the Second Amendment. Yeah, this is a, that's sponsored a by Amendment David Hogg, uh, you know, the poster boy for yeah, the that, that, that school shooting. I mean, I mean he, 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 he gave this all out. I'm sure he did. I'm sure it's Even all Even George Clooney. No, he's still on the news. He's still, he's in a new, a new ad saying, uh, you know, politicians are the NRA's, uh, you know, B word, the swear word. I'm not going to say it. But I mean, this kid's everywhere. Dog, yeah. And then you have the, uh, you're going to see him all over the news and this push for, uh, this, this, uh, movement on Saturday. They're going to politicize this as much as they can. Oh, look at the opposition to the Second Amendment. Look at all the people coming together for these kids and blah, 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 blah. Yep. Meanwhile, ABC, CBS, NBC, while promoting this thing constantly, have not said one word about Hillary Clinton and her horrible trip in India, which still cost the taxpayers almost $25,000 somehow, where she fell and broke her hand and made all these remarks. She still How is that even possible? It cost, say what? Hillary Clinton's new medical device. I'm going to have to get this to Eric. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, Steve, all right. Okay. All right. Wow. Thanks. Sir. All right. But yeah, anyway, she, uh, she continues to make news and news and, um, but why did it cost taxpayers $22,000 for her to go? That's crazy to me. Give hey, that to a single, whole, random homeless person on the street. Healthcare. I'd rather you give, I'd rather you split that up t- 20 different ways and give it to random homeless people on the street than give it to Hillary Clinton for anything. Well, yeah. Single payer healthcare, what, in another country, 22K, right, for a sprained wrist. Is that what we use? I don't know. I, I, I did not read the articles, but I'm, I just don't understand. Go figure. At this point, why does she need any taxpayer money? She should be able to write a check for that amount, at least from the Clinton Foundation. At least from the Haiti Earthquake yeah, Relief Fund. There you go. And, and you know, it's, uh, folks, I've, I've got the distinct honor and pleasure of introducing a, 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 just a tremendous friend, uh, a best friend any man could have, um, Steve Quayle is with us, stevequayle.com. That's his website. And, folks, don't forget uh, the conference this September, True Legends Conference. This is the second True Legends Conference, September 14th through 16th in Branson, Missouri. Look, rooms are going quickly. You've got to make your reservations now. You've got to do it, like, soon, like now if you can. And the lineup there, look at that, Steve Quayle and Tim Alberino. Um uh, Tom Horn and David Knight is going to be there and so many others. Uh, in fact, uh, Joe and I will be there. You would not, not speaking or anything like that. You wouldn't want us to do that, but we'll be there in attendance in, in a support fashion. And of course, Derek and Sharon Gilbert. That'll be fun. And Pastor David Langford. Any one of those people, it would be worth the price of admission just for any one of those people. And there are some great surprises coming. So please, folks, go to HagmanReport.com, click on the link to True Legends, or go to SteveQuayle.com, click on the link there to True Legends, the conference, and register. Please do so. Register now because the rooms are going quickly. There's other events taking place at the same time, and the space is really limited, and you're going to be so disappointed if you miss out. So with that, it's my pleasure and honor to bring on Mr. Steve Quayle. Hey, Doug, Joe, good evening, everyone, and thanks for this opportunity. You know, it's interesting, Doug, because the theme of this year's conference is obviously transhumanism and the hybrid age. 
And those of you who are watching any of the uh, major publications, online publications or the front of Drudge, everything is accelerating. And I think that was a good word that Pastor David Langford had about two years ago on your show, that events would be, uh, you know, basically accelerating. And tonight I just want to put people into the context of when some of the greatest thinking minds in the world were asked, what is the greatest threat facing mankind, okay? What is the world's most dangerous idea? One of the interesting men who's one of the great thinkers of our day made the statement, transhumanism is the most, you know, uh, dangerous, if you will, process going on at this point. And he he described it, to liberate the human race from its biological constraints. Its supporters, he said, want to wrest their biological destiny from evolution's blind process of random variation and adaptation and move to the next stage as a species. Now, you could call that intellectual evolution. Now, obviously, this guy is not a Christian, nor does he uh, even incorporate any sort of biblical uh, realm, if you will, or any teaching in the biblical realm. But I want to read Genesis 3, 1 through 6, to put everything in perspective tonight, because we're going to talk about transhumanism. And one of the smartest transhumanists in the world that Tom Horn always quotes, Nick Bostrom, you're going to be amazed at how this relates to everything that we're talking about in ancient civilizations, ancient technology. And by the way, Doug and Joe, today I posted a story of an actual giant find in Ecuador of seven to eight feet uh, giants. It was up there for less than 30 minutes. It was pulled down. It was taken out of the Wayback Machine. So uh, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, this is relevant to what we're talking about tonight. But let me read Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The word subtle means conniving, calculating, crafty, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, that's Eve, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw, excuse me, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, interesting, the promise that the devil always makes, he promises you what you don't have, but you possess it as a child of the king. So transhumanism is very important tonight, Doug, for us to talk about. Because, again, transhumanism means something humanity plus, something better than what God created. And one of the fascinating things that I think people have got to understand, all the ancient civilizations that were in the Golden Age, that whether you believe it or not, myths and legends teach that when Atlantis fell and Lemuria and Mew, it was always in the context of human, or not even human necessarily, but mixing combined animal DNA with whatever bipedal humanoids were at present. Now, it's interesting because since the UFO phenomena started pretty much uh, 1947 going fast forward, isn't it amazing that everything centers around the uh, egg of a female, the sperm of a man, and all of, if you will, the sexual uh, uh, 
probings of these, uh, what I would call, alien beings, uh, some demonic, very much demonic, most demonic. But the point that is important for people to understand tonight, this is the key issue facing us in the days ahead. When you go to sleep, when I go to sleep, oh, actually, the rare times I go to sleep, people don't quit. The evil works night and day. Uh, Satan doesn't go on vacation. He's got one prime directive, and that's to destroy every last man, woman, and child on the earth. And when I was up at 4.30 this morning, Doug, and everyone listening in, uh, it so dawned on me, because the church wouldn't deal with the real history of the world, and the United States won't deal with anything less than 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean, uh, you know, ocean blue, and they won't deal with all the ethnographic presence of the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Egyptians, the Chinese, so many people were in North and South America. The, the uh, evidence is astronomical. Black's Law Dictionary, by all of its definition of evidence, there's more and more evidence coming out every day. But why this is critical right now, it's, I want to share transhumanism and the ancient past. Yeah, and I'm reading this. In a short essay, History of Transhumanist Thought, Nick Bostrom traces the transhumanism impulse back to the Sumerian epic Gilgamesh, to classical myths of Prometheus and Icarus, to medieval alchemy and to the Renaissance. As he points out, the Italian humanist Giovanni Pico della Mirandola, in his oration on the dignity of man, declared that man's destiny was to be his own creator. Now, I just started out with Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now, I want to read this to you, and I think it'll really make sense. Now, we have made you a creature neither of heaven nor of earth, neither mortal nor immortal, in order that you may, as the free and proud shaper of your own being, fashion yourself in the form you may prefer. It will be in your power to descend to the lower and brutish forms of life. You'll be able, through your own decision, or to rise again to the superior orders whose life is divine. Now, most people read that and go, man, what is this guy talking about? Why is it relevant? Why does Doug have Steve on talking about this? Because you get right back to the entire uh, Genesis narr narrative in Genesis 6, obviously, that the fallen angels have been active in the destruction of humanity. Now, I want to make a differentiation. Fallen angels are not the same as God's holy angels. They once were, but they no longer are. Their total purpose after the fall was to work overtime under Satan, who is their commander and thief, not cheap, but thief, robbing them of their eternal uh, happiness with the, with the, in the presence of God, the Creator. They are working overtime through every bit of knowledge they possess to destroy humanity. And because God gave Adam and Eve control of the earth and over everything that was on the earth, they have had, the fallen angels have had to utilize the cooperation of fallen men. In other words, they have had to have mankind take the authority that God gave them, even though that authority fell, and Jesus reestablished it through his resurrection. But the point being is, is that now the fallen angels and the uh, yielded ones to the fallen angels are bent on the destruction of humanity. And transhumanism, call it H-plus, call it genetic reengineering, call it whatever you want. It is the end of all humanity. It is the end of mankind. And remember, Jesus asked the question, if when the Lord returns, will he find faith on the earth? 
Pastor Langford and I were talking on the radio a couple hours ago about just where we're at, the peril this whole world is in, and especially the United States. We in the United States have tried to, quote, represent to the world a moral high ground when, quite candidly, everything that we've been doing is coming out into the open. I'm on record, Doug, and let me just clear my voice a minute. Excuse me. I'm on record as saying, and to some people I'm called a doom gloomer, but again, before it happened, I think people could... uh, uh, absolutely identify with a statement that at least America used to honor God, okay? Used to honor God, whether they paid him lip service or not. And now we have everything in this world declaring war on God. The only time Obama ever told the truth, in my opinion, was when he said America is no longer a Christian nation. But I stand my ground. I made the statement years before Trump became president, years before Russia and China went on pretty much a technological offensive uh, uh, wielding and yielding some of the most sophisticated weapon systems in the world that before God allowed America to be destroyed by the Russians and Chinese he would reveal the secrets of the people, the politician the leader sins to the people and the people sins before a holy God. Now what's interesting Doug is we're on the radio tonight uh, the situation in Syria and I'm getting right back to transhumanism to Syria and the situation with the U.S. and all the different uh, NATO military members and their uh, armies and navies off the coast of Syria, the Russians there, everybody is there getting ready for something. And for the record, what's interesting is that, well, people think that it's the Russian high command or the U.S. military and whatever. I'm trying to get people to look beyond the natural. I think one of the most important things in the coming days for God's people, Christians, is for the Lord to answer their prayer. It's simply this, God, show me the spirit behind what is going on beyond the headlines. Things are not as they appear, and to look for God's hand in the situation, and it's only by His mercy and grace we're not consumed. So, Doug, basically, transhumanism is the devil's attempt by using, I would say this, technology, technocracy, and technecadence, technological decadence, a a term I coined, you know, decades ago, to to break down all the barriers that God had placed in uh, harm's way to keep the evil entity at bay, and now with men cooperating and the authority they once had fallen in the rebellion, they are cooperating to their own destruction. It's hard for people to even define transhumanism, as Nick Bostrom did when he was talking about, obviously, uh, Gilgamesh. The Epic of Gilgamesh is the oldest poetic narrative in the world. Gilgamesh was basically a Rephaim, and I want to make it clear, a Rephaim is not a Nephilim. A Rephaim is a giant. It's a product of heaven and earth. In my opinion, a Nephilim on the Nephilim appear twice in the Old Testament, prior to Genesis 6, prior to the flood of Noah, and Numbers 13, after the flood of Noah. Why is this important? Because in this whole issue of giants, the supernatural life force that is possessed by the giants, i.e. Goliath, the most you know notable one in the Old Testament at this point, is, is something beyond just strictly human. And so the non-human intelligence, NHI, that is out there beyond our reach, it's my contention that they have been molding, they have been controlling, they have been uh, 
granting specific revelations to humanity, fallen humanity, to ultimately cooperate in their own destruction, meaning our own destruction as human beings. So that's why transhumanism is so important. And there's three kinds, and then I'll take a break and let you kind of ask some questions. But there's eschatological transhumanism, there's basically pragmatic transhumanism, and unconscious transhumanism. And I think unconscious transhumanism is everybody knows that, for instance, death is not right. Ray Kurzweil's entire uh, goal with transhumanism and singularity is do away with death. But it's the same promise apart from Jesus Christ that basically ye shall not die, ye shall live forever. And even some of the leading voices in the whole world of artificial intelligence, of uh, uh, neural nets and, and brain scanning and brain programming and brain reading, brain mapping, all those things is simply one thing. It is the devil's attempt through fallen men and the fallen angel technology to be omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He wants to know everything, know where everybody's at, and be able to basically fake the fact that he's God. And when we remember talking about the World Wide Web, and the web is something that a spider uses to catch its prey. Now we've got the 5G network. The net is something to catch its prey. And I thought of this. Isn't it interesting? Now it's 5G coming up. And with that, I'll tell you this. I'll just give you an acronym. It will be the uh, TESOM, the Total Enslavement of Mankind, T-E-S-O-M. Maybe you could add a K if you wanted it. Because now it goes beyond anything that most people could even embrace. And unfortunately, the Christians, number one, are unaware of it, largely. Number two, now they're splitting off factions and claiming, well, God created us in his image and likeness, so anything we do to help God out is okay. Gee, where have you seen that uh, proven wrong time and time again in the history? And ultimately, they want to be able to live forever, and God promises eternal life, but through redemption. And either way, people in hell will have eternal life. It'll just be separated from the presence of the Lord. There is no such thing as nihilism, N-I-H-L-I-S-M, or nihilism. That means the end of it all. Some people believe when you die, that's just it. But every day, science is proving that's not it. Every day, there are more and more findings of a quantum universe. There are more and more findings of different dimensions beyond just even what used to be expected. And we're seeing now subatomic worlds that are as complex as the world we live in. So the point that I'm trying to make is transhumanism is a big deal, and it is the ultimate enslavement and ensnarement of mankind. Go ahead, Doug. You know, Steve, one thing that I'm absolutely blown away by, and of course all of these seem not related, but I think they are. Um, and I'm going to throw all of this out for you. You know, of course, it was just, what, 120 years ago, really the last century, that we saw man moving from um, horse and buggy to what we have today. And, and look at look at how short of a time span that is. Um, and, and think about the really thousand plus, you know, thousands of years before that. And how how quickly we've gone from the horse and buggy to to the Concord, which is no longer running, of course, but but you get the idea. So the the how quickly we've gone now from the days of dial-up, for example, you know, CompuServe, to where we are now, as you mentioned, for example, one part of it would be the five G. 
Network, how quickly everything is coming to pass. And you had said this 20 years ago. I've got to give you a lot of credit for opening my eyes, red-pilling me to this, and to, to see how quickly all of this is, is, is gaining upon us. But I think, I think the bottom line, what you said, is that uh, uh, man, or and a lot of people can't think this way, don't think this way, and can't think this way, but, but to escape judgment, to escape death, and to escape judgment, they're looking to you know become gods themselves, small g, and the the, the psyche behind that, Steve, it, it just it it blows my mind. So all of that said, um, you know the observations that that you had, you had discussed, um, and and how all of this, by the way, the last thing, how all of this connects, the Genesis six, the the world of Genesis um, uh, six that you've written about to today. And one one last final point that I want to make. It's interesting to me, the more that we see people push God away, um, saying, you know, there is no God, the uh, push toward atheism or the push toward the, um, this, whatever you would want to call it, the more rapid we are seeing this increase of this transhumanist agenda. So thank you for all of that. That's all I In want the to minds say. of the people willing to accept it. Yes, yes. Well, I think, too, Doug, that basically transhumanism promises salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Because just as the devil said, ye shall not surely die, this is what they're saying. And I want to read some things tonight so people understand that that Kurzweil, Ray Kurzweil, is one of the most uh, brilliant men in the world. And by the way, at Branson, the conference in Branson, we're bringing Hugo de Garrison. And Hugo's one of the, uh, you know, uh, leaders in the artificial brain. Uh, he wrote the book The Artilac War. The point is, is he's one of those guys saying, look, I'm, I helped build this stuff, but you don't understand. This stuff is going to take over. So um, here's what here's what uh, is really critical. Here's what uh, Kurzweil says, and he's a guy that basically started with the whole world of singularity when men and machines merge and basically become, if you will, a Borg or a functionary of the Borg, and the collective takes place of the individual. It's kind of like a techno commie, okay? Commie as in communist, not communicator. Ultimately, however, quoting Kurzweil, the Earth's technology-creating species will merge with its own computational technology. After all, what is the difference between a human brain enhanced a trillion fold by nanobot-based implants and a computer whose design is based on high-resolution scans of the human brain? Excuse me, and then extended a trillion fold. The promise of transhumanism is salvation, a kind of materialistic version of Christian salvation in which we are saved from ignorance, pain, and death. Its ultimate goal, here you go, is to become like God, or rather a God, omniscient, invulnerable, and immortal. How will transhumanists achieve this? The most extreme prediction is that they will uphold or they will upload their consciousness into a computer. They will spend eternity as a kind a file on the hard drive uh, of a yet-to-be-invented internet server. From there, they will be able to interact with the material world by projecting their body through a hologram or by downloading their consciousness into a series of bodies. To some extent, and I want to make this statement, I'm not against people who play video games. I am not a gamer, okay? To my knowledge, I've never played a video game all the way through, probably due to my attention span of 45 seconds, maybe two minutes. 
But if you understand what virtual reality is already doing and already shaping men's thoughts and minds and obviously the youth's minds, they're disengaging from the empirical world that we live in, obviously jobs, you know, earning a living, paying the mortgage, and they're feasting on their parents' uh, prior work and even to the electricity that runs a computer that they play on their video games. So when you take a look at video games, in essence, and the whole world of uh, virtual reality, what they do is already what they're talking about that. They're, inter uh, they're interacting with the material world by projecting their body through a hologram or an avatar and by downloading their consciousness into a series of bodies. Now look, they can't download their consciousness, but because AI games are becoming more and more invasive and, and the databases that are existing, if you know that a person can only respond six ways, and in the past 10 years they've responded two out of the six ways, you can, how should I say this, pretty well uh, venture a guess or base a prognostication and throw it into an algorithm, and basically you've got a 50-50 chance being right. Well, now, according to the people that I talk to who are into the world of AI, they claim, Doug, and I think I've said this on your show. I doubt many people understand what it means. There are no longer any filters. AI is au fait accompli. The feat is accomplished. Now, you may not believe that because you're not privy to that information. And I would suggest to everybody that only recently have people found out about Facebook, obviously selling all of your uh, you know, your information. Uh, Google doing the same thing. Uh, there was a story on that whatever you think uh, they've got, they've got way beyond that Snowden Eric Snowden put out, you know. So the point is, is that we're now in a, uh, the position in time where the very words of Jesus, except those days be short, and what days these days, there'd be no flesh alive. Because in essence, what we are doing is we are technologically uh, self-emulating, taking something that was so mighty that God uh, created. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The psalmist said, for you made him, you created him a little lower than the angels. And so the point is you've given him glory and honor. And the glory and honor, which here, here's the bottom line tonight if people get nothing else in this, the glory and honor that God created Adam and Eve in prior to the fall, talking about in his image and likeness when he said, the Father said, the Son, let us make man in our image and likeness. The point is, is that that's what the devil hates. That's why he's working overtime. It doesn't matter if it's body piercings. It doesn't matter if it's genetic alteration. It doesn't matter if it's hybridization, because God is so uh, opposed to uh, the intermingling of species and the intermingling of humans with animals that obviously even in the Old Testament, the crime for bestiality, and, and some people don't understand this, the life force that mankind possessed has waned. But it was such a, an abhorrent act before heaven that both the man and the beast had to die. And that was so they would not bring forth any gifts, okay? Now we're seeing him bombarded with with animals with human faces. We're seeing strange events taking place. All of the, if you will, the stories that used to seem just far out or out there with no basis in fact. Genetic anomalies, some of the descriptions from ancient mythology. Um, it's, it's, they're, they're coming back, and they're coming back with a vengeance. Because, again, if the devil can destroy the human seed, 
if they if they if he can destroy biological reproduction then everything that's grown in a lab and i would differ with the pope on what his statements are everything that is uh, grown in a lab or that's grown out of the human body that is absolutely artificially manipulated articulated or built from whatever cell whatever there is a point where that's no longer creating god's image so mankind is even messing with the future generations and doug that's the great travesty of this and again i say this i don't believe there's any more point that's important i get people saying well you should be talking about the second coming i am it's closer than those of you who would criticize me for that saying you don't talk about the lord enough i've been on uh talk radio nine thousand hours plus 25 years and forgive me but i have never failed uh you know unless it was just a short uh whatever radio interview to uh, declare and to, to how do i say this to authenticate the thought processes that i use based on the word of god now you know the uh it were, you know, people are arguing, is this the day of the Lord? Is this Ezekiel 28? Or excuse me, Ezekiel 38? Is it Psalm 82? Let me tell you what, let me tell you the more important thing to be asking. When the fur begins to fly and other stuff that hits the fan, will you have been prepared physically and are you prepared seeking God for his sustaining strength that we're all going to need? Because, again, not only does man not live by bread alone, but we are in a fight that goes beyond uh, M60s, that goes beyond, you know, M249s, that goes beyond uh, 134 miniguns, you know. All that stuff, it goes into the realm of supernatural evil and launching an all-out attack on humanity. So because the, the professance of Christendom and not the possessance of righteousness, power, authority, and the Holy Ghost, they'd rather argue than prepare. And so we're going to be confronted, as Tom Horn's book, you know, again, Blood on the Altar, so so well stated. We're going to be confronted with a battle, not only outside of us, obviously, with whoever's coming against our nation, inside of us. And as you already know, Doug, uh, you know, there's a lot of claimants to a lot of things, and the righteous will always be battling with the unrighteous. Faith will always be battling with unbelief, and there's no other way to put it into, you know, context than that. You're, you're right on the money. It's, it's interesting about how people say, for example, you don't talk about Jesus enough, you don't talk about the second coming enough. What do people think you're talking about when, when, when you're talking exactly about the time uh, in which we live, in which we will see the second coming, and and that's what this is all about. So, you know, uh, uh, man, I, I sometimes it just blows my mind that that people don't get it uh, well, like they, they should. Can, I, I tell you what, like they they they'll send me an email with all the reasons why the day of the Lord will be. So I got one. Now, I'm not making fun of you, John. I'm just saying they'll make. They, let me say this: they'll always put prophetic, uh, uh, their prophetic understanding in the future, but they cannot uh, identify it with where we are, we are at now, okay? Right. You know, the South, I used to tease Pastor Langford about this, and in the South they always say, uh, this is fixing to happen, or that's fixing to happen, you know? <laughs> and I always say to David, I said, listen, there's nothing fixing to happen. It's happening now. So, you know, you ask yourself, what will it take 
to uh, get people's attention. You're already seeing the vilification of Christianity within this country. You're already seeing the, uh, uh, if you will, the putting down of Christians and the elevation of Muslims. You're seeing uh, every manner of evil, every manner of perversion sworn against the Lord Jesus Christ. And meanwhile, you know, uh, the, the, the millionaire wimps don't even, t- I'm talking about the ones who are in churches now, who have mega churches. they would never deal with this thing because, you know, God just wants us all to just have the best years of our life, and the best years of your life are now, uh, Brother Hagman. And I just <laughs> want you to know, you know, I mean, seriously, uh-huh. meanwhile, meanwhile, we're divorced from true history. Did it ever dawn on everybody that when abortions became the uh, order of the land, that there was no difference between us and the Canaanites that used to burn their children alive? There's no difference from us and the Philistines, who they take little babies and they slit their throats and, and anoint the anchor ropes. The Philistines were seafaring people. There's no difference in the uh, uh, Sardinians, any place in the world. Children have always been sacrificed. The innocent blood is demanded by the fallen ones to basically uh, appease their bloodlust because the life is in the blood. And I don't know how it works, but I'll, I'll use a term I think I've used it before. It's a form of cosmic vampirism, okay? And even to the sense the aliens are messing around. And I, again, I want to share this. A technologically advanced civilization doesn't need to come to Earth for a good time with Earth women, then experiment in their private parts, so the same thing with men, abduct them and force them to everything, even impregnating them, then coming back and harvesting the baby. I don't think that's an advanced culture. Excuse me, I can take you back 4,000 years and show you where that was a going practice. And by the way, in case anybody wants to know, it was the fallen angels who taught the Earth women how to abort their babies. Most people don't know that. So when people say to me, you talk about fallen angels too much, well, who do you think is behind the real shadow state? Who do you think is the evil genius? Who do you think has been tying all these loose ends to history to bring it to this point now that the word of God might be fulfilled? Who do you think that could be? Well, obviously, all the great tyrants of history die. All of, uh, you know, one man's kingdom is another man's ruin. So the point is, is that we're now looking to, uh, I believe, the time is coming where God is unmasking the hidden controllers of darkness, and people aren't going to like what they see. He's showing the true nature of the debauchery, the falsehood, if you will, the veneer that, quote, most people thought America was. They didn't understand it wasn't the real America. It's been controlled from behind the scenes. Call them the Committee of 300, the Illuminati, the elite. Call them whatever you want to call them, the Bohemian Grove. Beyond all that, Doug, that's just the fruit of evil. The root of evil is Satan and his minions. Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, principalities, power, spiritual wickedness in every, excuse me, in in, uh, heavenly places. So, and I just want to add, in every place. So, what I'm noticing, and I want everybody to notice this too, and I, I want to draw your attention to it. When any politician seems to be caught on the spot where a question is asked beyond his programming, watch where he looks down or closes his eyes, and then watch where he moves his lips. And I don't know what it's called. I call it, they suck their lips backward and they purse them together. 
Now, again, it's happening more and more. So here's the question. When when we see our country going down tubes, I heard Joe talking about the Second Amendment, and you've got the people who quote, even one of them, the Democratic congressman said, well, you ought to use the Second Amendment and go against Trump, you know, if he goes against the Constitution. Now, if we said that about the people that used to be in the White House, it would have been a whole different story. And so the mystery of iniquity, and this is something we've got to cover tonight, it's no mystery. It's lawlessness. What you're seeing in the FBI, what you're seeing in the intelligence agencies, what you're seeing in the State Department, what you're seeing in the military, what you're seeing in the, the entire woven tapestry of, uh, of treason in the United States is an absolute uh, manifestation of lawlessness, of lawlessness, where each man does that which is right in their own sight. It's where now, and I want to make it clear, this gun control issue is the issue where it all rises or falls, ladies and gentlemen. Don't kid yourself. Liberals want one thing they want you dead and they'll do it in any way shape or form it doesn't matter you know if, if, if you're talking about uh, whatever uh, uh, Soros funded group or whoever is funding this group or that group and I always love it Doug somebody says to me well Snopes says you're wrong Snopes is funded by the very people that uh, they investigate and say oh they're all good guys so you know the, the thing is is this where is the discernment of God's people where is the gift of discernment, the gift of the Holy Spirit, discerning of spirits, where is it? Because in essence, we are all, and I, I put myself in this, we are all reacting to that which is coming against us instead of acting to oppose that prior to it coming against us. And so how do we do that? Doug? We do it by our faith, and we do it by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives unto death. The thing is, is I think the late great Derek Prince, one of the, and I say great in the things of God, not great as lifting up a man, he said the reason, and this is one of the last things I think he said before the Lord took him home, is the reason that Muslims will overcome the Christians is Muslims aren't afraid to lose their life. Christians are too concerned with holding on to their lives. You know the old give me liberty or give me death, you know? Well, now it's give me my iPhone and my iMac and just don't pull the power. Now that may seem simplistic, but it's true. No, I, I, I think you're 100% accurate. And, and it's amazing to me as I watch this how many um, Christians themselves appear to be uh, just going along with this. Uh, you know, we, we, we tolerate too much. We're, we're, and I've said this before, we are a nation not not of intolerance, but a nation who's suffering from tolerance. We, we tolerate too much. We tolerate uh, the, the taking of, of our you know, commandments out of schools, and we tolerate abortion. We, to, we to, all of this we tolerate, and and that's and of course the Muslims don't tolerate the assaults on their religion, uh, on their belief system, in the, in the manner that the Christians do. So sure. right. In other words, I can, you know, they can kill their women. They can do horrible things to women's private parts. They can stone them. They can do everything, you know, rape them, kill them, murder them. But you better not, uh, you know, talk to one about taking off the hijab, okay? So what, what I'm saying is the inconsistency of that. But one thing, and this is the... The narrative. I had a I had a story, Doug. I need to share this with your listeners. I had a story put up uh, the burning platform, Jim Quinn, and it was written, I think, by a British guy. He was threatened with jail because it was politically insensitive if he didn't have that taken down within an hour. And Jim sent me an email saying that. Okay. 
Really? Yep. Wow. And 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 here's I have a friend George God bless you who lives in Athens, and obviously I don't read Greek, but he translated this for me. He said Steve, and it's on uh, Pro News. You know, which is a, a Greek site, you know. Uh, I think it's right. called EKTAKT. It almost looks like Exacto, but uh, maybe that's what it is. Article says that moments ago a Russian general said if USA strikes Damascus, it will be the last thing they ever do. Goes on to say that there are Russian soldiers and Russian diplomatic employees in a certain area which might be in harm's way. Well, you know, here's the deal. Just as we've seen false flags happen during exercises in this country, like every one of them, now we're seeing a buildup in the Middle East. Now, do, will I turn hot? I don't know. That's God's uh, uh, business. But I will say this. The lackadaisical way that Christendom, I can only deal with that which calls itself Christendom, and judging from a lot of your emails and mine, Doug, the people that don't get it, I don't know. Uh, I think it was a, I quoted a general once, told me, he said, and I believe he's the author of the statement, sooner, you're, sooner or later you're going to get it. And when you finally get it, it's too late. Now, yep. you know, that's, yep. yeah, that's not me. That was, yep. you know, four-star general that said that. So the point is, is that uh, we're telling people this thing with transhumanism, with genetic hybrids, with absolute the, the end of uh, mankind as you know it, if, if you can only see to the edge of the cliff and you won't step up to the cliff to look over the edge, then you're going to have to take the word of the people that have looked over the edge and say, you don't want to go there. Yet, unfortunately, you know, we, we go tiptoeing through the tulips, not recognizing the tulips are basically uh, landmines to designed to destroy the very people of God. So, I mean, and again, I, I say this to the Lord uh, quite often. I, uh, maybe God gets the idea I don't have the answer I'm seeking yet, and I know he does, but Lord, what has to happen for the people of God to understand, number one, they're in the sights of the evil one, number two, that transhumanism is literally the fulfillment of Jesus' words, that if the days weren't short and there'd be no flesh left alive, that number three, anyone with kids or grandkids has got to be concerned, and if they don't, they've abdicated for their children and grandchildren. If they don't or aren't, they've abdicated their position, in my opinion, as parents and grandparents. And the thing is, what person who loves God cannot claim to say, Lord, help me to stop anyone who's willing to listen from running over the cliff? But unfortunately, Doug, we don't know the times we live in. We don't know the enemy we fight. We don't know uh, the nature of the battle. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about living like hell and then talking about spiritual warfare, you know. I'm talking about the real necessity of being the salt of the earth. So right now, just remember this, the devil will provoke a leader to do things that the leader wouldn't normally do, but he does it out of provocation. I know I've been provoked and said stuff I wish I hadn't, done stuff I wish I hadn't, but when you do that, there are ramifications. So the thing is, we got to do what we're led to do, and then others that don't even know there's such a thing as being led of the Spirit of God had better learn that it's a critical point in juncture. We don't rule by what we know. We rule by who 
he has revealed himself to us. The Holy Spirit's job is to lift up Jesus and to teach us all things. So the point is, you can't be taught all things unless you understand the primary way that God teaches us is through his word, through example, and through the Spirit of God, through anointing, and through supernatural attestation that God really is speaking to us. The greatest tragedy of 20-some years on talk radio is simply this. I can't tell you how many times over those decades that people said, of all that I want in my life, I only want one thing, to literally hear the voice of God, and to not only literally hear it, but even hear it so they know they know it, like in the still, small voice. I'm not talking audibly necessarily. But the point is, is that we're now at the position where all of the narrative is in the enemy's camp. The Christians are being vilified, nullified, destroyed. And so the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, when the legal system comes against anyone who's telling the truth, then you're going to find that the day is going to come. And I would tell everyone this. I I go to my computer massive times a day, but what happens when there's no computer to go to? And what happens when it's against the law to even own a shortwave radio? And what happens? And what happens? And what happens? See, these are the things we need to be standing up now so those things don't happen in the future. And the and, and, and I'm so I'm so glad yep. you said that. Yeah, I, I don't mean to interrupt. But I'm so glad you said no, that no, because you, you know th- th- this has been an ongoing theme of ours. We're, we're talking about um, you know w- you and I, we together um, and uh, individually and together are, are fighting for others. It doesn't matter if you've got uh, if you've got your own channel or if you're just merely posting us on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. You as a Christian or you telling the truth, it's going to be. It's going to be an offense to to tell the truth, and we we, we can see this taking place right now in, in the, the the lawsuits, um, saying that you know um, that that we, for example, peddle fake news, uh, that, that we're part of some Russian conspiracy. All of these accusations that that are that are being launched against Infowars and Alex Jones and 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 others uh, like him, um, and and so so we're fighting the battle. So it's just not for us; it's for Everybody who's got a voice and wants to exercise that voice. And I just want to make sure people understand that it, it, because we're fighting for you. So you can post on Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever social network or your own website, for example, um, the truth as opposed to, you know, we're just not fighting for ourselves. I just well, want to yeah, say and I want to clarify one thing. Due to Facebook and Twitter being the establishment, I can remember, Doug, when those things started coming on the scene, and those of you who have been listening to me for 20-some years plus, you know, and, and I'm only saying this because I said, look, these are self-directed intelligence dossiers that are based on the fact that human vanity will tell more about themselves than interrogation or casual, uh, you know, uh, uh, what would you say, debriefings will. When that was set up by that, meaning the self-directed intelligence dossier by Marcus Wolf and Evgeny Primakov years ago for FEMA, before DHS existed, they were paid millions of dollars to do that. And I still make this statement, Faces of Death book is now become Faces of Death book. If, if I could articulate, I can't, it's, I, I, I don't have the words, to how much intelligence is out there. All intelligence on Facebook and Twitter now, I want to make this clear. I do not post on Facebook. I have a, uh, a person that moderates Facebook because until she came on board, 
basically, I had so many people pretending to be me <laughs> that they were making outlandish statements. So I never respond to Facebook. Uh, I basically have it monitored. You know, uh, same thing with YouTube. I don't know how many pirates we've pulled down off of YouTube, but probably close to a thousand. But that means people faking it, ladies and gentlemen. That means people, you know, stealing our DVDs and everything else, you know. And so the point that I'm trying to make is this, and this is critical. When I first started talking about algorithms, look, I know the day comes when my voice will be heard no longer. Not a threat, not a wish at this point, although sometimes I think it is. And then all you're left with is that which God has quickened to your spirit and made real in your heart. And I, I, if, if there's anything that's said, it's just that this, you know, take it to the Lord in prayer. Trust Jesus. Jesus said that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's not talking about the casual inquirer or somebody that's just, uh, you know, uh, so hungover or so stoned. But even God's uh, redemption can be in those cases. But I'm just saying, those who really want to know God and really want him to reveal himself to him will. But isn't it interesting, Doug? We have the greatest religious movement in the world now, Islam, and there's nothing said about it or any of its associated activities, yet Christians are evil, Christians are evil, white gun owners, you know, white gun owners. Mm. Well, that's coming from a guy that was trained under a black preacher who kept saying white people are evil, white people are evil, you know, So, yeah. and that's the Reverend Wright who's always wrong. So the thing is, is that what you have now, and I want to make this clear, we talked on your show, Doug, years ago about all the weapons that were purchased and all the billions of rounds of ammo and those mysteriously got uh, placed throughout the country. Does everyone remember the words of the former entity in the White House that he wanted to have a civilian army as strong and as well equipped as the uh, military? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, one can argue that that's already been accomplished, uh, but not in the way perhaps many people thought. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's again where we're at now. I want to make this clear. I believe that, honestly, I believe the biggest threat is making it through, uh, and I don't believe that we're at World War III time. I could be wrong, but I don't. I know this. I know that I've prayed about Branson. I know that people all over the world are going to get this because God has a lot of people that watch Branson, you know. They download it or whatever, uh, and, and or they watch the videos. Those videos have gone all over all over the world. So I know that whomsoever God uh, uh, appoints or anoints to listen, to watch, to come, whatever, they're going to be the one who has the information source. Now, I know there are other, other uh, what do you call them, conferences. I know that, okay? There are a bunch of them. God bless everyone who's involved in the conference bringing the teaching of God's Word. But what we're doing different is we're focusing on what we believe in prayer and in, in fasting and seeking God. God are the critical issues that are going to be overwhelming the body if the body doesn't have a clue. Because God said his people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You want to get mad? Get mad at God over that one. Because it, it's not because he doesn't present it, it's because they reject it. Transhumanism and the hybrid age is the most dangerous thing in the world. And there's nothing new out of the sun. The world that was destroyed by Noah's flood is here amongst us now, and it's going to be worse. 
It's going to be worse. It's getting worse because the technological advancements coupled with transportation, coupled with the Internet, and by the way, 5G, 5G will be what I call pentadeath, P-E-N-T-A, pentagram, pentagon, pentadeath. And that pentadeath is going to overwhelm so many people, and already the biological ramifications of even being exposed to Wi-Fi are becoming so uh, uh, well detailed and the detrimental detrimental I can't say the word detriment what's it detriment yeah detrimental detrimental thank you the detrimental effects it's having on the human genome and the physiology are already well known so you know ladies and gentlemen if you can, and I would plead with you, if you can, please come. Uh, the reason what Doug said at the beginning, uh, Branson is selling out quickly because of the hotel rooms. That's why we announced it. The, the first uh, uh, True Legends conference we announced in March. We had to do it in January this year because we were told that the only time the mansion in Branson was available was pretty close the same week before and that there were other venues happening in Branson. So we thought if we got a jump on it, we could get, uh, you know, our attendees uh, a better deal on the hotels and make sure they had hotels. So I'm just telling you this. What is this now, Doug? It's uh, March, uh, yeah, March. the 19th. Yeah. 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 By, by May 19th, it will be sold out, if not sooner. So please, ladies and gentlemen, based on the way it's going now, you can go on gen6.com, G-E-N-S-I-X.com, and you can uh, register. If you want to, uh, you can't go, you can go ahead and pre-order the DVDs. We're going to have a different way of handling those faster, too. I'm going to have the editors immediately edit them, you know, within two or three days after, and get them to the duplicator. We had a hiccup and it was beyond my control and I'm going to make sure by the grace of God that does not happen again so it's critical that we want you to have this information again we'll have Hugo Daguerreus the Ardelec War one of the smartest guys in the world that's not my just uh, puffing him up that's, he's considered that and he's one of the guys saying this Who's gonna, who is going to he's concerned that the robots are going to win the Terminator you know it's funny isn't it how Hollywood told you how it's going to come, told you that it's going to come, and yet still people don't believe that we're at the point where it will come. And that's the, that's the, uh, the whole point of this conference, to say this is where we're at now. Imagine, yep. what, and that's what they tell us, imagine what you don't know. And, and that, that's, well... Yeah, I don't even have to say anything beyond that. Imagine what you don't know, but but I, I've got to say the the first conference in, in Branson, really, um, boy, you talk about an education in enlightening me. Plus the uh, the the people there were also great. So and, and this year is just going to be fabulous. You're, you're going to have uh, some. Um, some surprises for us too, as well, right? Uh, when I say surprises, I'm, I'm talking about some visual aids, shall we say? Steve, do we lose you? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just muted for a minute while I coughed. The the visual aids are going to be pretty uh, profound. I've seen some criticism of the skull. Listen, when we got fifteen, whatever, seventy five, fifteen eighty five actual. Conquistador, uh, Catholic chroniclers that, uh, you know, want to make sure that the church got its share and the King of Spain got its share. And they gave the exact dimensions, you know. And we have an artist's reproduction. We'll have a 12 foot giant there. I think the 12 foot giant is going to weigh 700 pounds. 
it's so heavy and so big that we had to, uh, uh, Mark Patrick, the sculptor, who, by the way, is one of the finest anatomic sculptors in the world, we had to uh, get a special pulley system. It takes two people on three or four different parts. When you're talking 12 feet high, remember, that's just how high it is. It's probably close to six to eight feet at the shoulders. The feet themselves are, I think, sub 40 inches. And this is all based on the literal, literal, uh, uh, if you will, uh, measurements that the conquistadors recorded. And also, Doug, just in the last uh, couple weeks, I actually have uh, been given uh, some of the different news articles, newspaper articles from the 1880s into the 1900s that literally talk about the Smithsonian covering up and, and fighting Stanford University for the bones of the giants. And we're talking 12 and 20 footers. So here's the thing. If I can prove, and when I say prove, the skeptic isn't going to have this, and obviously the people that want it covered up aren't going to, they'll come up with every excuse. But when I have eyewitnesses telling me they've been there and they, their story checks out, even to who their relatives were and stuff, I mean, I think people are going to be blown away. How this relates to transhumanism is simple. The fallen angels want to genetically recreate the bodies or a body-like structure for the evil spirits that were half uh, fallen angel and half human to come and possess. That's what I'm going to be speaking on, demon-possessed machines. And what it means to when something is supernaturally possessed, because in order to possess something, you have to have self-awareness. One of the things that AI, artificial intelligence, is trying to do is basically find the mathematical formula. Well, guess what? The demons, the disembodied spirits, are more than uh, happy to help out. So the subjects that we're going to track there, or actually share, is the, the danger in autonomous killing machines. I don't think, Doug, people understand what that means. That means if a demon is possessing a machine, a supernatural evil presence, then it can go beyond its programming. And right. in going beyond its programming, then something else takes over. So, uh, you know, we've got about, what, a minute or two? Can I run through some of the subjects we're going to talk about? Yeah, go ahead. Real quick. Yeah. yeah, we're going to be talking about cryonics, the freezing of bodies to bring them back. We're going to be talking about how virtual reality will be indistinguishable from real reality. We're going to be talking about uh, gene therapy, RNA interference. By the way, Sharon uh, Gilbert, of, uh, you know, is going to be there, a molecular biologist. She's going to be dealing with that stuff. We're going to be talking about space colonization. We're going to be talking about terraforming. Terraforming is changing a dead planet into a live planet. We talk about cybernetics. We're going to be talking about autonomous, self-replicating robotics. The simple word is when the robotics say, hey, we don't need humans, we'll build ourselves. And, oh, by the way, kick out that uh, uh, you know part of our programming we don't like. We're going to be talking about nano manufacturing, molecular manufacturing. We're going to be talking about mega-scale engineering, terraforming. Uh, we're going to be talking about mind uploading. We're going to be talking about uh, you know artificial general intelligence. And then I'm going to be talking about supernatural impartation of evil intelligence and do you need to uh, fear the rise of drone assassins you know uh, you know how do you stop a killer drone when it's already gone autonomous on you so those are the subjects we're going to be talking about and people you better believe it's relevant because again Jesus said 
if he didn't shorten the days for the elect's sake, there'd be no flesh left alive, no human beings. And then think of the poor animals, what they're doing to them. And I can tell you yeah, what, it's it heartbreaking, but God never puts us in a, a position where we cannot be more than overcomers by the faith Amen. in the blood of the Lamb. Amen, Doug. Amen, brother. God bless you. We're, We're out of time. time. We got to run. SteveQuail.com, True Legends, the conference. Get your tickets now. We'll be right back. This is the Hagman Report, and you're listening to this edition. Of course, this is a th- week of throwback, a, th- a throwback only in terms of the audio and video. We're running audio only tonight. The video, of course, we, we, we still have the video option there, but uh, you're not seeing our beautiful faces. Perhaps you're, well, maybe that's a vacation for you. I don't know. But uh, doing some things behind the scenes in many respects. And uh, this is what you support us for, for improvement. So slight deviation just this week for a major, for major improvements. Uh, our next guest, Peter Barry Chowka, at P. Chowka on Twitter. And, of course, he's a regular uh, frequent guest, a regular guest on the Hagman Report and a frequent contributor to HagmanReport.com. His latest open war breaks out of Fox News, the inside story. Before we get to Peter, I, I, I want to tell you this. Uh, we, we love... Our, our sponsors, especially those sponsors who provide a critical service. Now, speaking of service, do you have a service business? Do you own a service business? And if you are, are you still using pen and paper to manage your appointments and whatever you might do? Are you constantly chasing down payments from your customers? Have you missed out on a job because you were away from your phone? I got a good friend, and uh, I met him. Actually, he's a relative of a neighbor of mine, and we, we were talking right at the time at a period of time in his business where his growth was explosive and he was just, I mean, it was, he, he couldn't get a handle on it. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, I introduced him to House Call Pro. Okay. I introduced him to this service and he's using it and loving it. Let me tell you about House Call Pro. If you own a service business or if you know someone who does, you got to tell them about House Call Pro. Because it's changed, it's revolutionized what he's doing. Um, House Call Pro is designed for any service business. It's an easy-to-use app. It, it, it really gives you more time with your family, more time doing the things you love. It gives you a, a better handle on the business that you've got. It's got so many benefits, I just can't name them all. It's voted the number one software to run your business on the go. And, and I spoke with one of the people behind this app, and I'm going to tell you something. Um, I've never been more confident, and I've never, ever been more um, promotional about an app and about a uh, type of uh, type of opportunity this presents to those people who operated, operate a service-oriented business. So if you... For example, if you've got an HVAC or a plumbing or carpet cleaning service, look, anyone who provides a home service, you got to look into House Call Pro. Here's what House Call Pro can do for you. Take care of your scheduling, your dispatching. Send customers text messages, text updates throughout the entire process, online booking options, payment processing. You've got to look into this. If you're involved in the service business, I cannot recommend high enough 
House Call Pro. Now, here's what you need to do. If when you're ready, and, and I urge you to be ready, even if you're using look whatever you're doing, House Call Pro is what you need to go to. If you're ready to get your service business organized and streamlined with your customers, go to housecallpro.com/hh. That's housecallpro.com/hh. Tell them Hagman and Hagman sent you, and you know what? They'll waive your $99 activation fee. You cannot beat this even with a big stick that you pick up from somebody's yard if you're in the landscaping business. Go to housecallpro.com slash hh. One more time, housecallpro.com slash hh. And I'll tell you, if you want, you want, you want somebody to talk to about this, I'll give you the, the, the number to, uh, my neighbor's uh, landscaper who, uh, uses this and it just absolutely just loves it. Housecallpro.com slash hh. Peter Barry Chowka, welcome to the Hagman Report. Thank you very much, Doug. I was going to say it's good to see you guys tonight, but uh, I don't see you because this is the first night of throwback week. That's right. Which actually, it's quite interesting because it, it reminds me of uh, the early days of radio and of talk radio. And, uh, you know, I was a listener to talk radio in the early days, starting in the late 50s and into the 60s. And talk radio was really the first alternative electronic medium in the United States. It was the first place where Americans could get uh, truly alternative news and perspectives, and it was the first electronic media in the middle of the last century that uh, ordinary people could have their say. They could call in, talk to the host, and be heard by thousands and in some cases millions of other people. So it was it was kind of a precursor decades ahead of its time of what eventually evolved with the internet and what we are doing now online. So and you know in in radio as opposed to video or television the imagination comes into play. So uh, I can sit here and say that for listeners uh, who maybe haven't seen me before? You can imagine me as a tall, handsome young man, because <laughs> <laughs> I know I sound like that. So um, I'll play that just to the picture, hill tonight. Uh, picture a Harrison Ford look-alike, or you know, um, a Rock Hudson uh, kind of uh, person, right? Yes, I'll, I'll kind of, invite any. I'll invite any female listening to imagine the. <laughs> young male celebrity of your choice, and just uh, go from there. But, 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 but there is a special romance, kind of a yeah, kind of a romance with with talk radio. It, 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 and I remember starting out, not knowing anything, still not knowing anything. But but the, it, there's something to just the, just listening to the audio. But I digress. It's it's your time, sir. Well, let me just echo uh, that point by pointing out again that in the last month or so, I've gotten to know the last uh, original surviving member of uh, the early days of talk radio, Barry Farber, who will be 88 years old in May, and he's still doing a show five nights a week, and he's invited me to be a regular contributor to his program, and I've been on it five times in the last month. and. So, as you know, I wrote a feature article about him, which uh, the longer version is at 
the Hagman report there, and uh, it was just such a joy, or it is such a joy, to be in touch with him and to research his career and be reminded of all the other pioneers, most of them long forgotten now, of talk radio in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, before the big names came on, like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, uh, more power to them, but there are a lot of people, probably hundreds or thousands of men, and in some cases women, who worked in talk radio in the early days, and, and we have a lot to thank them for, really. Yeah, yeah we do, Peter. Um, and it's it seems like talk radio began with Rush Limbaugh. No, it didn't. It, it began with, uh, you know, in the, in the 80s. No, it didn't long before that. So you know, it's 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 interesting as we look over the last uh, half century and, and and the history behind this. But but uh, Peter, I gotta just mention this. You wrote a, a tremendously important report at Hagman Report, your your latest column, and that of course, open war breaks out at Fox News, the inside story. And I I sent it on my own personal Twitter account saying that look. There's more to this than meets the eye. I mean, Peter Chauka knows what's going on. By the way, follow Peter on Twitter, at P. Chauka. It's, uh, uh, it's important you do so. But there's a, and there it is, by the way, for those watching, there's uh, his Twitter account. But there's something going on here that's so important. You've got your, your fingers on the pulse of this. Can we get into it now? Oh, absolutely. And thank you for uh, mentioning it and for your close reading of the article. And, in fact, uh, just as a, a footnote, today, uh, as we meet, March 19th, 2018, is the exact 10-month anniversary of the first article that I wrote about the cable news wars and Fox News in particular, which was published May 19th last year at American Thinker. It was a very long article, uh, 4,000 words. It was my opening salvo in starting to write about this field. And I, I didn't plan then that I would really stick with the subject, but um, one thing led to another, and in the ensuing 10 months, I've written at least 60 articles about the cable news wars, which have uh, been published both at American Thinker and at the Hagman Report. And this is the latest one. This is another long one, 3,200 words. and. It's it's done very well in the uh, 16 hours that it's been online. It's closing in on 600 reader comments at American Thinker. And it's also posted at the Hagman Report, so people can easily find it there by going to hagmanreport.com. And thank you for keeping it at or near the top of the page right now. And uh, it, the genesis of this um, story began six weeks ago tonight when I was informed by a source at a high level of the Fox News Channel that uh, the Cold War between some of the on-air talent at Fox News, which had broken out into the public preliminarily last year uh, with the gauntlet thrown down by Chris Wallace and Shepard Smith, who work for the news department of Fox News as opposed to what's, consi what's considered the opinion department, the opinion being primetime hosts like Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and Tucker Carlson. So Fox News has a separate uh, news department, and Chris Wallace and Shepard Smith are two of the uh, big cheeses there. And last year they went on the record 
saying nasty things about, uh, well, in Shepard Smith's case, President Trump, but also in both of their cases, they started taking on uh, the opinion hosts and Sean Hannity in particular without, I don't think, actually naming him. So anyway, six weeks ago, my source, uh, who remains anonymous, informed me that there was really uh, rising bad blood between these two camps, the on-air talent from the opinion side and from the news side. And actually, these labels are misnomers because the two people in particular we're talking about on the so-called news side, that is Shepard Smith and uh, Chris Wallace, uh, fill their news reporting with opinion, <laughs> particularly Shepard Smith, constantly. I mean, you know, and watching them, which is harder and harder to do, and I usually don't, in fact, uh, one can only think, why are they not on CNN or MSNBC? Because that's where they really belong. But nonetheless, they hold out on Fox News. So uh, my source uh, told me that... Uh, there was bad blood and that uh, in the halls of Fox News headquarters comments were being made and uh, in particular two of the primetime hosts of Fox News uh, it was told to me were very very unhappy with uh, these people in the news department and something was going to give now at that point I considered writing an article based on that but I didn't really have enough to go on, and I didn't have a second source. Not that I didn't trust my primary source, but uh, it's kind of a given that if you want to be a responsible journalist using anonymous sources, you really have to have more than one source. So I just sat and waited, but in the meantime, I started doing a lot of research from open sources to fill in the context, and I, I drafted a first draft, uh, which was about 2,000 words, based on largely what Chris Wallace and Shepard Smith, you know, where are they coming from? What are their careers about? What had they been saying and leaking and intimating, etc., in throwing down this gauntlet? Well, flash forward to last uh, Thursday, and I saw a report that on that day it was announced that Shepard Smith had signed a new contract with Fox News, and he would continue to be the lead breaking news anchor for Fox News. And indeed, that's what he's been for the last uh, four years. Fox News in 2013 built him a Star Wars-type new studio called the News Deck. And if you watch Fox News between 3 and 4 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, you see that special studio set on display with Shep Smith uh, holding court there. And he's one of the few news anchors who actually anchors the show alone. But anyway, uh, so he re-upped his contract, and the last reports were that he was making $10 million a year. He's one of the highest-paid people at Fox. So I read this report that he had re-upped. He maintains his title and importance, and when anything breaks, like, uh, God forbid, a mass shooting or a, a major weather event, he breaks into Fox News programming whatever time of the day or night from the news deck and does the live breaking news, in some cases for hours at a time with no interruption. And he, he 
he likes that role. He glories in that prominent role, which he has carved out for himself, obviously with the assistance of the people running Fox News now. So I was disturbed at that report, and I thought, this is not good news because this guy is a leftist. Well, it took a few hours, a few short hours, before Time magazine published online a 3,000-word article, which is long for them, which was a total hagiographic article. Uh, hagiographic meaning it's like a worshipful article that's written like a PR article, uh, you know, in favor of the person that they're writing about. And let's see, they titled it... Um, Looking at my article here, where I quote extensively from it, and what did Time title that article? Well, anyway, it's uh, I quote extensively in my article today at American Thinker and at Hagman Report quotes from this article in which Shep Smith basically went on the attack and said very demeaning things about the opinion programming. For example, he said, "We serve different masters." These are direct quotes. We work for different reporting chains. We have different rules. They, meaning people like Sean Hannity, they don't really have rules on the opinion side. They can say whatever they want. I don't really watch a lot of it. I'm busy. Then he yeah. says, uh, I get you that. Know, I don't P work Peter, I just, I, I just hope people are paying attention to this because what you're, you're laying the groundwork for what is coming. And, and I, yeah, absolutely. This is so absolutely. critical. So please, yeah, because this pay, pay very this is attention. bad news. The bad news will come in our discussion before we conclude. But just, um, you know, he basically goes on in these extensive quotes. Now, and now, keep in mind, okay, this article in Time. Time broke this article on the day when Shep it was announced that he had signed his new high-figure contract. This article had been in production for at least a month with his full cooperation, two extensive interviews with the Time reporter, and a bunch of photographs that were taken, which are, are very, very well done, black and white artsy photographs, which made, made Shep look like uh, a great hero. And... Um, Let's see, I had a description of this, which I'm looking for. Okay, here's the attitude of the Time article. It's like, even though this guy, Shep, Shep Smith, works for Fox News, which all of us hate, he's a serious journalist, and he isn't so bad after all. Let's give him credit for trying to hold the line against Trump partisans like Hannity. That's the, the, the tag that I've given to this article. That's what this article really says. That's where it's coming from. It, it's a disgusting piece of idealized journalism, which I said in my article, should be taught in journalism schools as an example of how not to write an article about a famous person, because it's a hack job piece as if it's written by public relations. So it didn't take long for Sean Hannity, who is by implication uh smeared in this article and by the way the mainstream media jumped on this immediately and they said wow Shep Smith is going after you know there's a civil war in, in essence at Fox so Hannity tweeted at 12.44 p.m. that same day on his Twitter while Shep is a friend with political views I do not share and great at breaking news he is clueless about wh what we 
do every day. That is, people like Sean, Sarah Carter, John Solomon, Greg Jarrett, and all the excellent journalists who have worked on his program for the last year to tell us the truth about what's going on here. He, he went on, uh, Hannity breaks news daily, and then he listed some of the things. This is real news. 41 minutes later, Laura Ingram, who of course follows Sean Hannity at 10 p.m. Eastern, said on her Twitter, Always liked Shep, but his comments were inconsiderate and inaccurate. The hardworking team at the Ingram Angle does real reporting, develops important sources, and scores big interviews. Very proud of them. End quote. So the battle was joined between Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and others on one side, and uh, Shep Smith, and actually Chris Wallace was not directly involved in this brouhaha, but you can bet. You know, he's egging Shep on would be my uh, estimation there. So I uh, I had my work cut out for me, and over the next four days, starting on Thursday, I returned to my original draft and the quotes that I got from my source back on February 7th, my high-level source at Fox, and I worked up this article of 3,200 words, which went online at 4.30 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time at American Thinker. And it has created uh, a bit of a stir, I might say. It's probably my second or third most widely read article out of the 200 or so I've written in the last 10 months since the very first one last May 19th. It has struck a chord. And I have heard today from a source inside of Fox News that they're talking about it there. And in fact, people have been confronted at Fox News uh, quote, accusing them <laughs> of being my source, which I will never reveal. And I think I've covered their tracks pretty well. It would be very difficult. Uh, I mean, let, let's say that anybody at Fox has plausible deniability as to being my source, which is the way I try to write it and protect my sources. But, you know, this is the kind of reaction you want to have. And I hope... Uh, People will take it seriously. Oh, let me just add this before I forget, because um, when we talk about cable news or Fox News, and, and I get this reaction all the time at American Thinker, where people post hundreds of comments to each article there, and there are 600 of them today. And, of course, many of them will say things, many of the readers will say things like, why are you bothering to cover the mainstream media and report on cable news and even Fox News? They're part of the New World Order or the globalists or, you know, I've cut the cord a decade ago. This one person actually wrote this today. I cut the cord a decade ago, meaning no more cable. And I haven't read a newspaper in 10 years. So you're just full of it, Chalka, at which point I would like to say, but I don't bother saying well, why are you even bothering reading my articles and responding at such length? You know, why don't you go back to your cherished primary sources? But I tagged this onto the end of my article, just four lines, and I said, the importance of Fox News and of reporting on it derives from the fact that it is the only remaining mainstream media news source that, for much of the day at least, provides anything close to traditional, objective, balanced, and factual news coverage of current events. The Shorenstein Center at Harvard University, among others, analyzing recent MSM news coverage, has confirmed this fact. 
And, and it is a fact that only about seven or eight million uh, adult Americans watch the three major cable news channels on any given weekday night. That's about three or three and a half percent of the adult population. But these are serious people who follow politics. They are, in many cases, the so-called opinion makers, I mean, people inside the Beltway and around the country who have their finger on the pulse of these things, pay close attention to this, and it breaks the news. And, you know, certainly we use many other sources, alternative sources, independent sources, citizen journalist sources, as well as mainstream sources. And this is just one of them. And when you total up the people who watch cable news and the alphabet networks, it's uh, more than a score, 20, 30 million American adults. So it's they still have influence. They're still important. But beyond that, as I said in my four lines that I quoted, Fox News in particular, no matter what you think of it as a whole, has broken stories in the past year, especially on Hannity's show and Laura Ingram to an extent and the Fox News, Fox and Friends morning show, Tucker Carlson, uh, Judge Janine on the weekend and some of their other programming that is unprecedented and stands alone not only in the mainstream media but in the entire range of media highlighting stories which have gradually borne fruit and we saw an example of that last Friday when Andrew McCabe was fired and that story took off on Sean Hannity's show beginning one year ago this month when he started having Sarah Carter on and John Solomon and one by one the layers of the onion have been peeled back and we're seeing now the truth in the situation of what's gone down in our country in the last two years and you're right Peter this is not just about Fox News this is a battle for uh, really the mind of the whole country and it, it if anything it should be playing out in, in behind the halls of Fox News but unfortunately with Murdoch at the helm, they're not going to get behind the people like Sean Hannity, like the Laura Ingrams. They're going to get behind the Shepard Smiths. And we've seen this as, you know, people like Donald, especially when Donald Trump came on scene, you have basically the, the Republicans split into two. You had the never Trumpers and you had the, the Trump supporters. And it's been escalating since then. But, you know, what is, um, do you think because it was a new deal, do you think that these comments by Shepard Smith in this interview, He's been wanting to say them. He just got, you know, the the best time to be able to say them after, you know, getting the the thumbs up from his bosses that he's going to still be, you know, the king reporter at Fox News. Do you think that, you know, that was kind of what led him to say it? Or do you think that he would have said it regardless? Well, Joe, I think uh, that's a good question. And to partially answer that, I I think, in my opinion, there was cooperation and collusion between Shepard Smith and the executives at Fox News, including their public relations department, which is very highly skilled and well-oiled, to collaborate and cooperate with the likes of Time magazine to prepare this fawning profile of Shepard Smith. And it's a 3,000-word it's a story that will only um, pour salt in the wound of the... Uh, the traditional dedicated Fox News viewer. I mean, it made me angry when I read it because, of course, it puts Shepard Smith out and it gives him a soapbox to attack 
what is the core strength and the history of the Fox News Channel. You know, it was started in October of 1996. And another reason it's important to this day is it was the first and quickly became the most popular, the number one source for a kind of news in the mainstream media that had never been seen before in the history of electronic media in the United States. That is a true, an attempt at a true, fair, and balanced shop newsroom that nonetheless was also open to conservative viewpoints. It remained fair and balanced. It didn't push conservative viewpoints down our throats, which the left says that it does, but it, it didn't do that. It doesn't do that, obviously. No, they're more, and this, they're more moderate than, than most of the uh, right is in their views. Much more moderate. They're the, moderate. Yes, they're, they are the only balanced mainstream news source as we speak. And as I said, that's bo been borne out by studies at Harvard University and by uh, Media Research Center and others, academic institutions, the rest of the mainstream media is well into the 90th percentile. Their news is 90-plus percent against Republicans, President Trump, and in favor at a similar percentile of people like Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton, the Mueller investigation, the takedown of Donald Trump, etc., so we, we are swimming in a sea uh, and a matrix of uh, left-wing distorted propaganda with a mission. And the only alternative, imperfect as it is 24-7, it certainly isn't perfect around the clock, but it's the only alternative, and that's Fox News. It has a history of it. Its founders, uh, Rupert Murdoch and Roger Ailes, were committed conservatives, uh, you know, again, not perfect individuals, you know, I don't agree with everything either of them said or did, but hey, you know, you've got to give credit where credit is due. It has opened up the landscape uh, with a nuclear effect, the news media landscape, and here we sit today, and we're actually able to use elements of Fox News as primary sources in our work, as I know you, Doug, have been doing, as I have been doing, and, uh, you know, more power to them. But now the battle begins, of course, because, as, as I, I noted at the outset here, these developments are very concerning. Yes, for the moment, the three primetime hours, that is between 8 and 11 p.m. Eastern Time, are held down on Fox News by committed conservatives. In fact, this, in my opinion, without a doubt, is the strongest primetime lineup that Fox News has ever had in its history. Tucker Carlson, uh, a leading uh, long-term, decades long-term print and broadcast conservative journalist, impeccable credentials. Sean Hannity at 9 p.m. He's been on Fox News since the day it started in prime time, and he has uh, the number two syndicated radio show in the country Monday through Friday for three hours, uh, and at uh, and, and and therefore I would say he's the number one conservative electronic media personality in the country. In my opinion, he one ups Rush Limbaugh because he's got he's uh, got. A leading role in two media, TV and radio. And at 10 p.m., Laura Ingram, an equally distinguished uh, analyst, 
journalist attorney who clerked for a Supreme Court justice in her past. So, you know, a smart woman with impeccable credentials. So th these are, and there are no shrinking violets, any three of them. They are just excellent. So it's a powerhouse lineup, but, you know, we can see maybe the writing on the wall, and it's it's an element of concern as we go forward. Exactly. And I, and I want to kind of echo something you said here, because you've got um, a lot of people, and, and you know what? I'm guilty of this, too. If something doesn't interest me, if I don't watch something or if I don't watch network news, for example, you have a tendency to think, well, you know, so what? Um, it doesn't affect me. It's not going to affect me. So whatever happens, happens. And, you know, end of story. I don't even know why you guys are talking about it. Whatever. But in, in it, when you really take a look at this, it does affect all of us with what is coming down the road here um, with, with, the, with the censorship and, and with the uh, breaking of the news. As Sean Hannity is methodically is done with Sarah Carter, Greg Jarrett, and others. The, 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 the role here, or, or the um, the attempt here, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they've got to put a cap on the explosive exposures that are taking place, especially about the criminality of, of the Clintons and Obama and Obamagate and all of this other stuff. So, it, it, behind the scenes, there's, there is this fight, and you alluded to this, um, and this is why it's so important. There's a fight behind the scenes here for that, that jockeying position. Right, and one thing we have to be concerned about is um, in recent years, actually the last year and a half, following the unceremonious ouster of Roger Ailes, who was the co-founder and the CEO of Fox News and who was in virtual minute-by-minute -minute control of the channel between 1996 and 2016 when he was uh, let go after allegations that uh, he had sexually harassed some female Fox News staff, allegations he denied, and he passed away last May 18th, by the way. But that began the uh, slow but inexorable change in Fox News, both at the executive and managerial level and, to an extent, at the uh, on-air level. Uh, it took a while for that to kick in. Megyn Kelly, who was on at primetime, 9 p.m., left in January last year, good riddance. Then Bill O'Reilly was let go in April of last year, possibly good riddance, although I don't like the way he was ousted, again, unceremoniously, and as a result of a left-wing organized boycott of his sponsors, a very dangerous uh, thing there that was pursued and that is now aimed at people like Sean Hannity by his enemies. And the summer was was a weak point last summer for Fox News. They put that terrible show, The Five, on at prime time. But then last fall, they finally got their act together with the prime time schedule I've described. And also, they have two live news shows, one at 7 p.m. Eastern and the other at 11 p.m. Eastern. So they have live programming for 20 hours a day. The only repeat hours are between midnight and 4 a.m. Eastern time when the prime time schedule is replayed. So they really have a very strong lineup with the exception of weak links like uh, Shepard Smith <laughs> at 3 p.m. Eastern but and, and Chris Wallace on, on Sundays. But, you know, they've done some excellent uh, programming experiments recently. The, the seven-part series Scandalous on the Clinton scandals, which we've talked about, was really first-rate. 
this new program, they've uh, had a second showing of this weekend called The Wise Guys. is an interesting experiment. And uh, Mark Levin's new show, which is a long-form one-on-one interview for an hour, which is a very interesting concept, although uh, people are commenting saying, well, that's boring, but, you know, okay, it's not your cup of tea. But it's really great to be able to get into a thoughtful, intelligent discussion with someone who knows and is an expert in in an area who can give long-form answers and, and not have two minutes before he or she is ushered off the stage. So Fox is doing some uh, interesting stuff, but at the executive helm now, Rupert Murdoch, the uh, 86-year-old founder of the 21st Century Fox empire and you know a mogul from way back, started in Australia, went to Britain, made his fortune there, then came to the United States, now is an American citizen, started Fox News in 1996. Uh, he was kind of the last one left standing, you know, a conservative, uh, but he was injured, seriously injured, it turns out, in a boating accident early this year. And, uh, of course, it's on the QT of how he's really doing, but indications are that he is uh, not in very close monitoring or control of Fox News. Meanwhile, as one executive after another has left, you know, basically any of them who are close to Roger Ailes, the original co-founder who was ousted in 2016, uh, new players have been brought in, and and the real 3,000-pound elephant in the room here is the potential role of Lachlan Murdoch. This is the 46-year-old son, one of the two sons of Rupert Murdoch. The other one is James Murdoch, and he's also a uh, an executive there at Fox. But he's probably going to go over to the Disney, the Walt Disney Company, because the Walt Disney Company is uh, about to buy many of the assets of 21st Century Fox, the film studio, some of the production facilities, but not including Fox News. So it looks like Lachlan Murdoch, this 46-year-old, um, is sort of ne'er-do-well, I would describe him. This guy was kind of a, a hippie type in his youth. He's, he's, I think he's the one who started the hip-hop record company. Well, that may be his, uh, his brother James. But, you know, they're, they're left-of-center guys who married very left-wing women who have great influence in their life. One of them uh, tweets constantly her dislike of Donald Trump and her disdain for the Republicans. I think that might be James Murdoch's wife. I get them a little mixed up here. But anyway, uh, Lachlan Murdoch, is a, a role has been designed for him to basically carry on as the scion of the Murdoch family as his father winds down and, God forbid, passes from the scene. That's going to happen eventually it will probably be up to Lachlan Murdoch, the heir apparent, to exert a dominant role at Fox News. And I personally, in my opinion, he cannot be trusted. I don't think he has the experience to carry this forward. It's, it's, it's a difficult undertaking in any case. And I mean, somebody like Roger Ailes was a, a genius in the media. He had such a long career in varied areas of politics, television, cable television, the Mike Douglas show, uh, CNBC, 
America's Talking and then Fox News. He worked for Richard Nixon at one point. You know, he had so much experience. He, he was a brilliant writer, too. He wrote a fabulous book called You Are the Message in the late 1980s, which I read and studied. An excellent book on just how to present yourself in the media. It's kind of a Bible of the industry. So he's irreplaceable, and certainly Lachlan Murdoch is not going to replace him. And his instincts, I think, are to the left, Lachlan Murdoch. And I think a likely indication of that is the re-signing of Shepard Smith at a very high remuneration and with apparently enough influence that he can go out there and make these comments smearing the opinion staff in the pages of Time magazine. And I doubt that he was reprimanded for that. In fact, I think he had the total cooperation of the suits at Fox News and News Corp to go ahead and say what he did and to throw down the gauntlet. Well, where, where does this, um, as you said, eventually will all lead to, uh, you know, the, the basic facelift of Fox News. But at just one point that I've seen made, Sean Hannity has broken more news on, on his hour than, than Shepard Smith. But the coordinated attacks are there, and you're going to see uh, him try to be removed first. Laura Ingram, uh, she's just getting started. And, and as you said, Levin is start, is, has his new Fox show. And I just don't see how the viewers of Fox would go with the, the Shepard Smith, even in the... We're talking about strategy of Fox News as a business and staying relevant in the mainstream media. If they wanted to just become a, a mainstream, another mainstream media channel like MSNBC, like CNN, uh, you know, they, they could do that. But I just, I can't see them, I can't see anybody continuing to follow them if they continue to get rid of their talent. But, but Joe, I think it's ide- ideological driven, though. But if it would be, then you'd think that he, they would stick to what their base wants. Not what the well, world wants from them. The ideology of, of the people writing the paychecks, and I think that that's going to change. I don't know, Peter. That's just my thought. No, I think you both made excellent points that are part of the puzzle. No one can sit here and predict what's going to happen. I spend a lot of time, too much time, trying to figure it out and analyze, read the tea leaves. And there are various theories you can come up with, but I, I try to read all of the reader comments at American Thinker, and there have been tens of thousands of them on these subjects since I started to write about the cable news wars last May. And the vast majority of the people who post comments there are very unhappy with elements of Fox News, in particular the infusion of leftist paid contributors and guests who populate even the prime time, even the conservative prime time now, in particular Tucker's program at 8 Eastern, uh, on some nights, half or more of his program time, and half would be about 19 minutes, you know, when you subtract the commercials, is given to hardcore leftists who he debates. And that's entertaining to an extent, but it's taking up too much time, and most of the readers who post comments agree with me. So the policy of Fox News right now, notwithstanding this conservative, uh, you know, uh, bulwark in prime time, is making a lot of the uh, uh, dedicated viewers angry, me among them, myself among them. So I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know stupidity could enter into this. Uh, the ideologic, ideological agenda can certainly enter into this. Uh, yeah, they're maintaining a, a modicum of good ratings, although uh, 
in recent weeks, their prime time is not doing as well. In fact, Rachel Maddow on most nights now is beating Sean Hannity in the favored demographic measurement of the audience and often in the total number of viewers. I think that was the case in last Friday's ratings, which have just gone online. And so it's a real uh, uh, bouncing ball there, ratings. Who's going to be on top one night to the next? And Fox overall is still on top in terms of total viewers and total day. But if that if their ratings continue to suffer, Fox News's ratings continue to suffer in the prime time, that could be an excuse for more tinkering with the formats. We see tinkering going on anyway. If you watch Hannity's show closely, which I've done for years, I mean very, very closely, you can see experiments going on even within that program and the base format of it. Um, they might be infusing or putting on more left-wing guests. Uh, Hannity's enemies are lying in wait. In fact, I didn't write about this yet, and I didn't want to confuse my article today with it, but I believe it was last Tuesday the news came out that the parents of um, Seth Rich filed a federal lawsuit against the Fox News Channel, a Fox 5 DC reporter, and a former Fox News unpaid contributor charge uh, alleging that they uh, did wrong. They told lies in the coverage of Seth Rich's death. And Sean Hannity was mentioned in this 35-page lawsuit, although he was not named as, as one of the people cited or sued. But the mainstream media jumped on that immediately, and that was black eye number one last week. And then black eye number two was all of this reporting that came out in the MSM after uh, Shep Smith went on the attack uh, in Time magazine against the evening opinion programming on Fox News. So, And meanwhile, uh, Media Matters for America and probably hundreds of other left-wing, well-funded groups are out there uh, recording, analyzing, sifting every single thing that Sean Hannity says. I mean, I know you guys have pointed out that... Uh, your opponents are doing the same to you. But imagine Sean Hannity with a total number of viewers and listeners, probably 20 million or more per week on radio and TV, how they are subjecting him, the kind of scrutiny that they're putting him through, and always lurking in the wings is the threat of an advertiser boycott. They tried to ratchet that up last May and June after Sean dipped his toe into the Seth Rich Story and uh, quickly withdrew it and hasn't commented on it since. But uh, you see it comes back to haunt him almost a year later with this lawsuit from the Seth Rich family. So, you well, know, that, that, that's I, a new flavor. That, that's a new tactic, uh, Peter. I mean, I mean, it, it's it, grab a lawyer, file the papers, tie him up in court. This is a tactic, and I, and I can see it happening, and it's going to – it really has a chilling effect on, on – on, um, topical matters of, of importance and I, I'm not liking this absolutely chilling I mean you can imagine in a huge corporate entity like Fox News which is part of 21st Century Fox and Fox uh, News or, or News Corp rather it's hard to even figure out how that whole corporate structure fits together you know 
but I mean, there are executives there who, who and lawyers who do nothing but look at the landscape and worry and put the word out to their staff and on-air personnel and producers and writers. Hey, be careful here. Yeah. So we 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 cannot sit here and predict where this is going to go, but we've got to watch closely, be vigilant, and I think as we're doing, as you are doing certainly, prepare for uh, the roof to fall in here. We, we could lose any of these venues. Fox News could be neutered. Some of its key hosts could suddenly disappear. Who knows? Nothing would surprise me at this point. I'm not predicting it, but it would not surprise me. I mean, who could have predicted a month before Bill O'Reilly was ousted, that the number one host in cable television news for 15 years, that is Bill O'Reilly, a cash cow for the Fox News channel, would be gone less than three weeks after an article in the New York Times made allegations against him. Unproven allegations, which were never taken to court, but he was gone in what we used to say is a New York minute. And um, yeah, I mean, and, and look what's happening too. That uh, I remember the last summer when Sean Hannity confronted that serial stalker. I'm not even going to mention who that that person is. Right. Um, you, you know, the the, um, the allegations that are out there that are designed just simply to stifle the First Amendment, to bring people down, to shut down the. Um, the hosts, and I have to—I I have to believe Sean Hannity's up there on on the list, um, second only to the you know what people would consider alt right on the on the independent media platform. Um, that's my. Oh, view they anyway. see they see them as one entity, Doug. Yeah. The yeah. the the super left, the uber left, the communist, socialists, globalists, shadow government, deep state. New World Order forces that now are controlling our lives here and internationally, including the media, the mainstream media, they see uh, people like Sean Hannity and other elements of Fox News, if not Fox News as a whole, kind of the straw man they've presented, uh, uh, the picture of Fox News they've presented over the years, as being one of a piece, the same thing as the alternative Internet media. You know, they lump Alex Jones in with Sean Hannity, uh, they'll lump American Thinker in with Fox News. You know, it, it's a seamless web that they are trying to weave, and they well, will stated. try to take yeah. any of us down from the from the smallest right up to the biggest. We're all targets, so that's why we have to pull together, and it's why. I've gotten involved with writing a lot about Fox News. I never thought I would in, to this extent. I never really desired to, but it's an important story as long as it's playing out. And, I, and you know, you develop sources, you, you get your hands around the story, and you can tell the story. I did that for many years earlier in my career with other issues, including the medical industrial complex, alternative therapies, the politics of cancer, and when you report on these areas for months or years, you develop sources. You 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 learn what's going on. You know, you learn for yourself what's going on, and then you can then you can really begin to tell the story. Especially as new developments occur, you can evaluate and analyze them as some flyover or or uh, 
a parachuting journalist can't do when they'll just write from a press release or echo each other's comments. I mean, there's very little real reporting going on today in any given area. I mean, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. So when you can really get into a, an area and a story that is important, you know, it, it feels good to actually write about it. And it is having an impact. You know, uh, at, at the grassroots level, of people I hear from now on Twitter and on email, especially in response to these programs we do, I get comments from people. I mean, again, these are these are so-called ordinary people. They're, they're not even citizen journalists. They're just interested, patriotic, in many cases, God-fearing Americans who are studying these areas online and in the mainstream media, and they write comments. They they send me direct messages which in many cases read better than anything I'm reading in the mainstream media, where you can't even, you can hardly find good, accurate writing anymore. Not only accurate writing, but good writing in the mainstream media. I think a lot of it's being written by bots now. <laughs> very, very yeah. good observation. And, and I, I don't Algorithms think you're wrong. and yeah. bots, yeah. That, that's, and... They have these. Uh, uh, I was just reading something on on RT a little bit ago. There was a internet forum I was reading from, and they had a video from RT that showed an army of uh, I forget which country it was, but they employ you know an army of of people to give them positive uh, reviews or or to I guess it, it would be propaganda to to write you know messages that that they uh, targeted messages that they want on comment sections. And you know we see this all the time, whether it is um, you know the the media matters crowd. Or uh, it, never what they say though with the Russian bots. That's just you know that that's insanity. But we do see these social media companies moving more towards these algorithmic and uh, AI type technologies, and they do much more than uh, just you know write comments and and interject uh, points of view. They have I'm sure they're it's so far advanced we wouldn't even recognize it uh, or know what yeah. we, it would be hard to decipher what's true and what's false. Nobody has right, developed and it's being, the method. It's being integrated into the mainstream. So, right, it, it's getting harder and harder to even identify. And similarly, I have to say, in a critical way, many of the reader comments, in particular, most recently to my article today, people at American Thinker will criticize me, and I don't have a problem with that, but they'll criticize me for something I didn't say. It's like they read the article because they're kind of quoting me, but they're completely misinterpreting what I said. And and I think I write in, in clear, plain English that's easy to understand. And I think, you know, are these people that out of it or that dumb? And yes, unfortunately, I think they are. But before we close, I know we have a few minutes left. I just wanted to quickly touch on a few important topics that I'm going to be looking at this week and that I would just like to throw out there as sure. things that are, are uh, you know, we really need to be looking at. One is uh, uh, Peter Schweitzer is coming out with a new book tomorrow. He, of course, is the author of Clinton Cash, which was a seminal book from three years ago that started the ball rolling on the corruption of the Clinton empire. His new book tomorrow is, is called Secret Empires, How the American Political Class Hides Corruption and Enriches Family and Friends. And he did an hour with Sean Hannity today on Sean's radio show, and this is a book that must be read, just based yep. on the dialogue that they have. Uh, you know, we don't have time to get into it, but look out for coverage of that book. I'm sure Sean will have him on his Fox News program. This is going to get coverage 
And if you can, you know, find that book and read it, it sounds like an excellent investment. Also, um, I've said before how uh, Kamala Harris, turns out I was mispronouncing her name, she now insists that it's Kamala Harris. And what does that rhyme with, by the way? Kamala, Obama. To me, this is part of a psyop when you link this kind of, um, well, in her case, I guess it's uh, India, Indian, but with Africa, this language, this new speak that right away pushes a button of half the population when you have a name like Barack Obama or Kamala, you know, Mm -hmm. wow, half the population right away is going to sit up and say, yeah, you got my vote, right? But anyway, a, a profile of her in the new issue of Vogue magazine, she is running for president and she's getting the push just as I predicted, like Obama did years before her. She's going by the Obama playbook. She's an Obama clone. Watch out. Now, last week, I reported on the ugly evidence of anti-Semitism that has reared its ugly head again with uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, his defense by leading members of the uh, Black Caucus, the Democrats, and Juan Williams. Well, in the past week, we've had other examples of this. A, a D.C. councilman uh uh, produced a video that he shot on his phone in which he attacks the Jewish, Jewish Rothschilds for not only controlling the world but for manipulating the weather. The Democratic Party in California voted to become part of the BDS. That's the Boycott uh, Divestiture um, What's the uh, what's the S stand for? I forget, but it's the or boycott divestment sanctions against Israel. This is an anti-Semitic move to isolate the state of Israel and support uh, the Islamic revolution. Apparently, the Democratic Party in California is now on record of supporting that uber left-wing BDS movement. So uh, th- those are a couple of the things there that I'm going to be following up on this week. And uh, perhaps we'll have a chance to talk. Oh, and an interesting poll today by Monmouth University, which found out, which found that a, a significant majority of Americans from both sides of the political spectrum, or all sides, now believe that there is such a thing as a deep state, and that it is the hidden hand controlling us. Drudge for a time linked to that today, but that can be googled. Monmouth University study today, March nineteenth. Keyword: deep state. So that no, I don't think I don't think I agree. That, that that's a anyone who would argue that the permanent the existence of the permanent existence of the permanent state, man, you, you ain't paying attention. So yeah, right. I, and you know, it's people like Sean Hannity, the work we're doing, the, the work on the internet, citizen journalists, talk radio, that in the past year have established that meme: the shadow government, the deep state. Uh, beyond, you know, earlier than a year ago, we never even heard the term deep state. Now it is entrenched, it's ingrained, it's a viable meme, and it is true. And the American people are waking up to it, thank God. Amen. And, and Peter, you're, you're doing such a great job in exposing all of this. And I just want to mention again how important your latest article, The Open War, breaks out at Fox News, the inside story, how important that is to the larger scheme of things, I'm going to tell you, you wrote some headlines that are going to be popping up in, well, two months from now. 
three months from now, if that. So. Well, thank, well, thank you again, Joe. Doug. Appreciate it. And Joe. All right. Great to be with you, and I'll look forward to seeing you next week. I, I, yes, indeed. Uh, Peter, I guess we've got a little Thanks, bit mixed Peter. up with yeah, our uh, intros no, you know and outros. Uh, we're, we're out of time, but the the intro that we played is an intro, and this was also an intro. And an we outro. just didn't get the outro, I don't think, so Whatever. we'll nail that all right. down. But, Peter, thank you so much. Thank God you to Steve you. Quayle, and thank you to all of our listeners. We're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. Good night.